Warning, it is the opinion of the Forestry Productions LLC and the Working Perspectives podcast that we should inform you that some of the language used in this recording could possibly be considered offensive. You have been warned, so if you decide to listen to the recording, then don't complain about the language. Hello, how are you? Thanks for stopping by. Today we're going to talk to some real people about some real things, living real lives, doing real stuff. This is the Working Perspectives Podcast. I'm Matt Lavelle, accompanied today by Jalen Dub, Justin Richardson, the heartstopper, Janny Hilo, and our guest today is the joke man himself, Jackie Martling. You can find all our stuff and all our content and all podcast platforms and YouTube at Working Perspectives Podcast. You can us on Instagram at Working Perspectives Podcast, and you can join us on the Twitter and the TikTok at Working P Pod. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, please email us at workingperspectives.gmail.com and please like and subscribe so we can keep this party going. Jalen Dub, how you doing, baby? 14-year-old Justin is pumped for the show, yo. Dude, he wouldn't super. believe it if I told him. Amen to that. Jana, how are you? I'm good. Jackie's kind of hot. Jackie's got a bod. We'll say it, you know. And speaking of guys with bods, this is the Working Perspectives Podcast. Let's get this thing started. Let's go. It's our objective to be effective by voice in societies. Working perspectives, exploring your day and how you get paid. Launching a new episode. to whoever we're just about to say hey, oh the, you're recording ah no no hey no need to apologize jackie kidding me uh, we're just happy you're here and that's the that's the same injury from horsing around all those years ago huh um it is but much later you know it's like yeah. you know yeah it's been uh re re uh rehear- oh so you did read the book yeah and it's oh, funny yeah. we drove past that house i i you know what? This is all good. So yeah. start whenever you want. Go right ahead. You can hear me all right and everything? We hear you perfectly. All right. So you were saying you were drove by that house where you had the where you hurt your knee in the wrestling match? The it's it was a very uh oh every move I, I'm gonna grunt, so I apologize for that. It's all right, we all <laughs> that's do. What it. I do, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, it, it could be worse. The fact that it's healing, so that's what's great. Yeah. Um the house was uh like a block from the high school and okay. My very good friends from New York City, uh, there were like 10 kids in the family, and they moved into this incredible house, like from the 1600s or something like that, from the 1700s. Oh, wow. And my cousin John is the town historian of Oyster Bay. He's my you know, distant cousin. Uh-huh. And he was going to take a tour of Oyster Bay, and he got a bunch of people to come in an air-conditioned bus. And actually had Liz Roosevelt, who's like Theodore Roosevelt's third cousin or something like She's like 90 years old. Okay. 
and he's going to take us around Oyster Bay. And we get across from the high school and he didn't know I know anything. And he says, uh, and this is the Albertson house, uh, one of the oldest. I think he think he said the oldest house on Long Island. And I'm like, how could I not know that? Yeah. And I said to my buddy, I said, Mike, that it was in that yard in, wrestling in the mud and the beer that I destroyed my knee. <laughs> And here is the oldest house on Long Island. Now I'm the oldest cripple on Long Island. So it's kind of. <laughs> yeah. Was it, uh, so was it your, true. was it your low knee or your high knee? My kidney. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, uh, can't get one past you. It, it just hurts so fast. so bad. Oh. And then a couple, couple of weeks later, I ripped, what happened was it ripped the cartilage. Oh. But then a few weeks later, it ripped it a little worse. And then I got back to college and it ripped the rest of it away. And holy Christ. Yeah. And I dropped out of school and, uh, you know, had an operation on my knee and then drank for the rest of the time. <laughs> and it was, a, it was a wonderful, wonderful time. But yeah. then it got injured along the way. But it made it like, what is it? It's like got to be 40 years at least. Yeah. But, it was uh, a, finally, it, it, yeah. No, go ahead. Sorry. No, it, no, it's just it, it's just nasty, you know. Yeah. Blessing my in sister disguise, got a knee so. replaced. My sister got a knee replaced, and then she got her hip replaced. I said, "Listen, if she can go through this, I can go through it." So, <laughs> damn right. And it sucks. Oh, it sucks, man. Oh. But uh, once it gets going, so now I'm good to go. Nice. So, good. They hook you up with any sweet pain meds? Yeah, you know, uh, it's very weird because I'm so scared of that crap. You know, I quit yeah. drinking like 22 years ago, and it's yeah. like frightening. When I got my when I got operated on at Michigan State, mm-hmm. I mean, you should see the scar that was there. I mean, like yeah. they might as well have done it with a hatchet. Oof. And when I first was in the bed and coming out of it, you ring for pain. And I rang and the nurse came in with a shot. Yeah. And she gave me a shot. <clears throat> and in like a minute, you know, it was morphine. And like within a minute, I was like dancing in my mind. It was unbelievable. <laughs> and then yeah. however much long later, it was hurting like crazy again. Yeah. So I pushed the button. And this time when she came in, I am not exaggerating. I can see her now. She was like the wicked stepmother in Cinderella, and she was carrying a red velvet pillow with the shot on it. And she gave me the shot, and I went to the moon again. Yeah. And the next time I was in pain, I rang for her, and I'm waiting for this goddess to come in with the needle on a on a pillow. Yeah. And there's a little pill sitting there. <laughs> and I said, "What? What the hell is that?" And she said, "Well, you can't have any more shots because it's." Uh, they can become addictive. I said, it's too late, lady. <laughs> I yeah. want my shot. You know? Yeah, yeah. So they know this stuff. So, I, you know, I didn't even use all the oxy they gave me. You know? <laughs> right. You right. Know. Now, <laughs> now, introduce me. I, I interrupted you before. So Who's young lady. This is Jana. This is our co-host, Jana. And then this is Justin. And I'm Matt, obviously. We talked about Okay. Yeah. Jana or Jenna? Jana. J-A-N-A. J-A-N-A. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and who's the other guy? Justin. Shannon J- and Justin. All right, I got that down. And your name's Harry? And Jack. Okay, let's, no. let's, uh, it's Matt. <laughs> Gary. Oh, don't be silly, of course. <laughs> I'm kidding. Yeah. Pat. Jan Jana's had a uh, had a rough week. She uh she her her car got shot nine times in a drive by. <laughs> then her old man had a stroke, and then she lost her job all in the same week. Hey, that's nothing. I sprained my ankle this morning. <laughs> Wait, how much that would please tell me that was all horseshit no no all true. it's true, all true. <laughs> true. <laughs> what are you doing in a line of fire of a drive-by living in uh, philadelphia yeah, yeah i live in philadelphia so oh enough said yeah <laughs> just living. yeah 
I love yeah. Philadelphia. Oh, I love Philadelphia. I don't like that. Yeah. I love Philadelphia. Yeah. So, Johnny, you're are you a comic? Yes. Ah, get me Just again. kidding, no. What, what, uh, when's the next time you're in Philadelphia, Jackie? Do you know? Uh, I just did a bunch of stuff there. I'm... I saw you were in Glenside not that long ago at the Lulu Club. Yeah, that which I've know, never been to. I was looking because I've, I've done a couple open mics and I, uh, that place in Jenkintown, I never, I never, I didn't even know it existed. Yeah. The, the Lulu, it was just, uh, it's like a private golf club and the guy was a huge fan. And I, yeah. you know, I said, listen, I got to charge you a lot of money to come that far. Yeah. And you got to book, book the opening act so I have somebody to talk to. But he was, they were all so great. I mean, but it was a golf outing. So they were uh, drunk and stone and yeah. idiots. But yeah. but they le- at least let me get to the end of a few jokes. So I was fine. With- and that was my first time out. Uh, I think it had been seven weeks since my operation. This is my first time out. I wasn't even worried about the show as much as lasting in the car yeah. for four hours. And uh, uh, and then when they called me, when my, when my friend Peter Bales, who was opening, introduced me, I forgot my cane. I just walked up there. <laughs> It's very like goddamn adrenaline. You know, I had to be in the Riviera like 20 or 30 years ago. I, I had a bad leg and I, you know, I went up there with, it might even been with the walker. Next yeah. thing you know, I just threw it to the side. You know, you get going. And then afterwards, you feel like you're going to die, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. so none of that was true about the, about the shootout. No, that was all true. That all was 100% true. true. And somebody okay. died? Uh, no, um, somebody got shot twice, but he is. Fine. No, I mean, the other things that happened to you. Oh no, he oh, no. He, uh, he had a stroke. I got he's, this, Matt. Yeah, go uh, my dad. My dad had a mini stroke, but he's okay. Jesus. Yeah. 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 Fan of the show, the guy. Fan of the show, listen yeah. to the show. So good guy. Good guy. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Hot pop. And then you got Take fired. Did you get fired in person or over email? Email. Oh my god. You got fired. I yeah. got fired. What do you do for a living? Well, I was working at Prudential in marketing, but. That's not what I usually do. I'm usually a nanny. So I went back. Now I have a nanny job. I'm starting tomorrow. Yeah, that's your Those passion. are pretty dispar- disparate. It was. You know, like Prudential and nanny. Well, know. I was nannying like 25 years. And then I was like, all right, let me go get a, a big girl job so I can have some insurance and some 401k and things like that. But um, yeah, they, they uh, were like. Fuck you. So I'm going back to nannying. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Hey, let Fuck me ask you a question because I don't know who to ask. My girlfriend made it through about five minutes of this show. Everybody's raving about this show Severance. And I started watching. And if you just came from a corporate job like that, I mean, the closest I came to a corporate job was K-Rock, but they're all kind of the same. And this is such a strange premise, but everybody's raving about it. And I was about 20 Severance. minutes in and I'm confused. And, and Barbara goes, I don't know what's going to happen. I said, of course you don't know what's going to happen. It's a show. <laughs> Jesus Christ. She watches the same movie. She watches I Remember Mama every goddamn night. I said, you know, no surprises. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's a weird show. Of course we don't know. If we knew we would. Ah. Yeah. And I, I thought maybe you guys know. Oh, we've seen that. It's so great. Have you ever I, heard I, of it? It's, no. no, you're you're right. I'm with you. It's crazy. It's it's uh, Adam Scott from Parks and Rec, if you know who that is. And then yeah. he. Oh, he, I did you, see a couple of episodes of that. You live like two different lives. You either eat yes, this pill. Yes, that is so weird. You you show up at work, you know, at eight o'clock. No, in the no, morning. no, don't 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 yeah. say anything because I'm only twenty minutes in. It's and nutty. They, don't, <laughs> they don't. Oh, they don't. Set it's up really anything. weird. It's, it's the really reveal weird. happens so slow. You don't know what's going to happen. Like, like, don't tell me, you know, then one day you wake up and you're Chinese. I don't want to know that yet. Let me figure uh, it out. How did you know? You know? It's Westworld. But Westworld. that's uh, it's uh, 
It's a hoot. It's a hoot, you know. Yeah. You watch any other shows? I'll tell you, that girl in the opening, every scene, she gets a little bit prettier, which is really, you know, that's just so great. Just so great. (laughs) But don't tell me nothing else. Nothing else. Yeah, it makes a show, really. Uh, Very nice. Okay. What about The Godfather Part 1 or Part 2? Which one do you think is better, Jackie? Yes. (laughs) Good answer. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Did you watch The Offer? The yeah oh the offer was fantastic oh my god oh so my good. And now and now Ruddy is making a a show about the making of the making of the guy it's you know he, he, oh, he's making another it. he's making a show about the making of the offer you know I mean everybody just if you know if you if you want those shows to stop he's just gotta die you know. He, but I, it's so much fun. I thought that was so great. You great know? show. Great. He's the same. Justin, he's Justin's a big Hogan's Heroes guy. So he was it's uh I didn't know this either till watching the show, but Phil Ruddy, right, is his name. He 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 Al uh, Ruddy. Al Ruddy, you're right. Sorry. Yeah, he did Hogan's Heroes, and then after Hogan's Heroes, he kind of had that under his belt. That was his hit. And then he went and made well, he made like some one thing in between and then went and made The Godfather, which was the number one selling book of all time at the time. Yeah. And the, the show, The Offer, fantastic show. Absolutely fantastic. But if you ask 10 people how The Godfather get made, you, you'll get 10 hours. If you read, uh, what's his name? The, the crazy guy. Uh, Evans. Yeah. If you read Bob Evans' book. Yeah. And you read them, you know, it's it's just so phenomenal, you know, and that I didn't watch Hogan's Heroes, but somebody turned me on to the uh, biography, uh-huh. the autobiography of the little French guy in Hogan's okay. Heroes. OK, did you guys not know the show that well? No, I, I mean, I, mean, I, I know, I know who you're talking about, but I don't know, I don't his, know name. his real name. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll think of it. Carrie, something Carrie, uh, okay. Bob Carrie, uh, something. And you had an but, autobiography? Yeah, I guess it came out a while back, but I, I somebody told me to read it and I read it and he was, you know, in in Auschwitz, not Auschwitz, but quote unquote, he was in a, a prison camp. He lived in Paris. Uh-huh. And then at some point they came around and collected people and he was one of the people they collected. What? And he went to, went to the prison camp, but he entertained people and sang and did whatever, which got him. You know, like, you know, he slid by here and there, and hit, yeah. he was on there for like a little less than two years. Yeah. And then he worked his way out and got to Paris and found his way to New York. And in mm-hmm. the early fifties, he wound up on some shows, but he wound up on Hogan's. He spent two years <laughs> in a Nazi prison camp, and yeah. then he was in a sitcom about being in a Nazi prison <laughs> camp. It's talk it's about just being typecasted. Phenom- phenomenal story, and it turns out that a very good friend of mine is his cousin. I got a friend that's related to everybody that's all another story we'll go into it Ro- robert but, uh, clary was that his robert name robert clary robert okay. clary yeah but it's so yeah. interesting oh my god that's phenomenal I, I can't even wrap my brain around that you know yeah did you see but, i think it was there was a movie that came out recently on hbo it was about a boxer in a concentration camp that he'd survive but like one of the backstory was is like they would bet on the the boxer like you know the guys fighting each other in the camp the different the uh like the different inmates find each other's in the camp and this guy was like a sure bet so they kept him around you know what i mean so it's kind of the same thing where he wasn't it's, entertaining it's exactly, guys but right. he was if you, yeah if you got something to sell or to, you know maintain you know his yeah. whole family like two people out of uh, 20 you know it's just pretty tough. horrible yeah well that's enough of a breakdown, enough <laughs> yeah. Of breakdown. Yeah. yeah but the godfather was great and yeah. godfather 2 is great and the yeah. offer is great 
Yeah. You know, it's one of those shows that all of a sudden it's on TV. You just stop what you're doing. You sit down, you watch it, you know, just yeah. like Goodfellas. Oh. And and it's so despicable. They're murdering killer, horrible, disgusting people. But you can't, I, I, you know, there's no explaining it. I, I read very little. And mm-hmm. I read The Godfather when I got it. I read through it and started over and read it again. I think it's the only book I ever read twice. Really? Like, you know, oh, my God. You know, the, the Luca, God... Luca Brasi hacked oh. somebody to death. And then the other guy is already dead because he swallowed the towel because he was so frightened. I, I can never get that image out of my mind, man. Yeesh. Man, Luca Brasi, all-time character. I didn't know this. Like, in the show, Lou Ferrigno plays him in the show. The, you know what I mean? Because it's oh, like... Apparently there was the Luca Brazzi was like a real leg breaker that they just he they were like threw him in there and he like they saw him practicing his lines and they're like no keep that this is gonna work he's you know like you know and then it becomes like one of the all time you know may your first child be a masculine yeah. child uh, uh, you know, the best the best you know a, a friend of mine uh, Lou Martini Jr. Uh-huh. his father was obviously Lou Martini. Uh-huh. And he was slated to play Luca Brasi. Oh, and really? Like a day or two before they started shooting, he dropped dead of a heart attack. So they had to come up with a Luca Brasi within like a day or two, oh, which is wow. just, a, I mean, I when he told me that, I was like, so odd. Because yeah. the guy they came up with is, I can't imagine somebody being any better. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And you know, you know that Lou Ferrigno is the integral part of that one Howard Stern story, right? No, which which, which one? The, the Lou, Lou Ferrigno is the, is the guy who's is he, isn't he the guy that's deaf? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah. And and uh he would come on the show. He wouldn't come on the show. Fred would pretend he was <laughs> Lou Ferrigno. Yeah. And it was always funny. And uh I know not Fred. Al I'm sorry. I'm still a little rusty here and there. It's okay. But Al, uh, what's his face? Oh, God. The guy who came on the show and did impressions here and there. Yeah. yeah. He was Lou Ferrigno. And mm-hmm. I was sitting there next to him. And he, and he, Lou Ferrigno, <laughs> you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we were on from four to eight. But whenever there was a, a home Knicks game, mm-hmm. we were on from four to seven. So that means at seven o'clock, the entire. Tri-State area is watching the Stern show or uh, listening to the Stern show rather because the yeah. Knicks are about to start. Yeah. And and Al is sitting there and he, you know, he talking like this. And Howard used to read liners, which are like, you know, ads that you'd actually read, you know, before uh-huh. we started making them up as we went along, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And one of the liners had Howard had to say just before the show was going to end and we're going to turn it over to Knicks basketball. Howard said, and uh the Knicks want to make sure. You have lots of Coca-Cola and snacks on hand for the game. And I heard snacks. So I wrote down snacks and then wrote down snatch <laughs> with a question mark and put it in front of uh, in front of Al. And he said, what do you say, Howard? Uh, Lou, I said, you've got to have lots of Coca-Cola and snacks on here. And Howard caught on immediately. No, you can't say that, Howard. That's filthy. You get No, Lou, I said snacks. There you go again. There you go. And this is. And the whole world was listening to this. Oh, we, there was, and that's the first time I wrote down a note and passed it. And yeah. Oh God. Uh, yeah. And that I, turned into every, your thing. Everybody has tried so hard to find <laughs> that it's got to exist somewhere. Yeah. What? Yeah. How you, you can't say that, man. You can't say Al Rosenberg. Oh, I would have. That's right. So You're bad. Right. Al, he's great guy. All right. 
No, well, that's no, no, that no. is. Where we where we leave off, Robert Carey or the Godfather? What, what would you say? I will, I would have you thought about like because the stuff you guys know. I dude, I remember we were watching like I we would listen to it as kids and be like, oh my god, they're talking about like you know like go nuts. But like, have you ever thought like it's one of those things like Blazing Saddles? You can't like if you made Blazing Saddles today, they'd crucify you, right? Oh. Like half the stuff that you guys did on the show. You'd be murdered, and you know what I mean, right? Like, how does so yeah. much more than half? Because the whole, the whole <laughs> idea. See, I, <clears throat> I, I left the show. I want wanted more money, and but it was I line mm-hmm. wrote, wrote a line in the sand and everything. Mm-hmm. But they came, they came to me, and I was supposed to be the voice of Raw Dog. And at the time, Raw Dog was they play a Sam Kinison clip, and they play a Henny Youngman clip, and they play a Dice clip, and I was supposed to, you know, hey. And that's that was Sam Kennison. Now here's Dice. And maybe I put a little joke or a little snippet. I was just doing the in-between stuff. Yeah. And I had a contract ready to go. My lawyer, had a, and, and it was a lot of money. And then all of a sudden they said, we're taking the deal off the table because we think we can get Howard Stern. And I said to myself, why, why would you bullshit me? You know, if you don't want me to do the gig, just tell me. Because in my mind, there was absolutely no way that Howard would go to to satellite radio because yeah. to me the whole genius of the show the whole fun of the show was dancing around the rules and getting yes. right up and stomping yeah. the line yes. you know yeah and all of a sudden you're playing football with no lines on the field what the fucking sense you know yeah and then a couple months later howard stern leaves for serious i was like well at least they weren't lying yeah but you know every the whole the whole it teetered on the edge all the time so if they yeah. roll that bar just a little bit a real everything disappears except what time is it robin you know? yeah <laughs> that, that honestly too that's one of the things like you, you know they had said it is when they would do the ratings it's half the people watch because they wanted to hear what he says next the other half hate him but they still want to hear what he says now you know what i mean because yeah. you guys are pushing the envelope and you had and such a thought like loyal loyal fans right well you know i have every note i ever wrote for him and i have them in my mother's attic and i actually i actually uh within the last couple months i'm working with a guy and i'm literally gonna sell the notes or you would not believe what i have i have every note i ever wrote i got all the sternax i got all the scripts i got all the song parodies all the wood yeast all the ones uh (laughs) gary repeat after me's (laughs) <laughs> and they're all just, just so fantastic. But the people oh. that were lift, listening in the '90s, if they were listening in '92 and it was 15, 12 million people listening, two years later we still had 12 million people. But so many dropped out and replaced or worked on, went on. So that it's we're talking about millions and millions and oh, millions yeah. of people. And in the '90s, it's 30 years later. Yeah. So the people that listen to the Stern Show have never not only made a lot of money, a good percentage of them, because the smart people love the show. You know, they already have their houses. They mm-hmm. have their boats. They have mm-hmm. their motorcycles. They have yeah. their vacation homes. What are they going to do? And so, like a, a note, original note from the Howard Stern show yeah. framed in their man cave is yeah. such a conversation piece. I, sure. I, I think I'm sitting on a gold mine. And so many people tell me, what are you waiting for? You know, I, I had to I, wait till I was joke, joke, uh, drunk, uh, broken up. And I guess that's talking to you. Is the, the, that's the line. Yeah. Oh, it sure, it sure is. Yeah. That, yeah. Join us. Yeah. 
No, you're not kidding. And for those listening, her so this is what's going on, is that Jackie was on the Howard Stern show for 18 years. And when he was head writer on the show, he his booth was next to Howard. So there was a wall in between. Jackie would write out notes and hand them over to Howard to say no, the joke. No, all, right, all right. What happened was when we started working, he had he'd sit here and he had a loose leaf open on one side and mm -hmm. loose leaf open on the other side with an opening in the middle so he could see Robin okay. and talk to her. Yeah. And just inside one of the sides of the loose leaf, I would literally flip over pieces of paper and put them so it was right where he's looking at Robin. So it's oh, right see. here. I see. And we did that for a while. And then uh, when we did the E channel, yeah. we had a little, a little bin with a lipstick camera on the bin. And it, what I wrote and what Fred wrote came up on a computer screen. It was like oh, the Jackie wow. and Fred show. Yeah. And then we, when we moved to the other studio, we were behind like kind of a wall. You know, I was kind of behind a wall. Okay. And so it was Fred, uh, Fred. And we had the same bin. And uh, Howard had a, a video monitor here and a video monitor all over here. So if he's talking to a, a guest that came in or strippers yeah. or whatever, yeah. When I'm talking to them, I'm reading his is uh, the notes that are on the screen. And then over here, when he's talking to a guest, mm -hmm. there was a and he had had a I had the, the, the monitor there. Yeah. And people always wondered why he wore dark glasses whenever whenever uh, somebody came in like a hot chick or a, a yeah. celebrity or something. He would put on a pair of dark glasses like sun uh, sunglasses. Mm -hmm. That you know fit fit his persona like he was kind of you know yeah Johnny dark cool. even but yeah. meanwhile he's talking to you with his head uh, with his sun don't mind me I'm you're I'm, doing great I'm in no? pain. yeah he's he's got the sunglasses he's talking to you mm -hmm. but right next to the person is the is the monitor yeah so he's looking at them but he's his eyes are looking at he can so read it has, yeah. it I have no yeah. idea that he's reading yeah. And that, nobody knew that for so so long. That's and I, to this to this to this day, so I, I'm sure there's plenty of people that would think I'm lying when I say that, which is so funny, you know. They, so yeah. that's no, that's incredible. I mean, so yeah, he's he's you know he's it appears that he's looking right at the person, but he can turn his eyes because they can't see where his eyes are going. That's honestly pretty smart, you know, pretty clever. Yeah, it's, uh, it's very smart. And if you go to old shows, you'll notice, you probably never notice it. All of a sudden you notice, God damn, he does put on the sunglasses every yeah. time. So, you know, it's another thing. And some people know this, you know, immediately when Johnny Carson did his monologue, uh -huh. he would do say an eight minute monologue. Uh -huh. Nobody knew from anything, but if you know, and you watch all the cards for the monologue are in huge cards not word for word, but what he needs to know. And like the first low, uh, flow, flow of people, first row of people in front of them, like almost like a bandstand, yeah. all the cards for the monologue are here. And if you know that, you can watch his eyes look from here to here <sighs> to here to yeah. here. And yeah. you can almost tell where he is in the, in, the, uh, in the monologue from which way he's looking. And I <laughs> probably sounds like crazy, but now I've those old that, cartoons yeah. that you noticed that before? I've seen him do that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It, it, you know, and it's, it's very interesting. Yeah. 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 But he's, yeah. You know, he, he looks down here. He looks down here. He looks at which is, 
who cares? You know, yeah. but it's, it's interesting. But that's yeah. some insider info that most people don't know because it looks like he's just playing to the audience. You know what I mean? Like different parts, uh, but he's turning following the cards probably. Uh, right? uh, yeah, absolutely. You know? Yeah. And yeah. You wouldn't uh, know that. I'll tell you too. That is your the paper you're talking about. The jokes you have on paper that is legit a piece of like it's almost like art history in a way. Because if you're a, a fan of the show or were a fan of the show and you're driving to work and you remember just losing your mind laughing at this joke and you have that written down, like come on, that's a pro. You know, well, yeah. they, you know, they weren't jokes. Everything was like two words, five words, yeah. eight words. They were either comments or a punchline, but. There were huge, usually huge laughs. And if somebody tells me uh, the date, like uh, somebody, I finally tested it. What's his name? Uh, David Carradine yeah. was on the show. Somebody said, you said, you said, Howard said something to David Carradine, and I know you wrote it. And I said, well, <laughs> if you could tell me the date, I could find it. And the guy told me the date. I've never done this before. I went up my mother's attic. It's 15 years wow. worth of of things but you know yeah. you narrow it down and i i found the note and i sent the guy back to sketch a uh, scan of the note and he just it blew his mind and it was wow. not a great big joke but it was fun you know yeah but you know so i got, meant I got so much stuff i got so much stuff you know oh, i can only imagine plus two you know you've been like you've been writing jokes for a long time so like even back in the day like you know we have 516-922 wine which is still out there now i've honestly me and justin been calling I absolutely love today. it. I absolutely love it. When <laughs> well, you, you know, I stopped. I stopped uh, for the first seven years. Me and my future ex-wife Nancy changed it every <laughs> day. It, it really was my future ex-wife. I'm not kidding. Yeah, uh, we check changed it every day, including weekends, for seven years. God damn. And then we got a computer. It's a whole thing. The whole the way the whole thing went down. It's a, it's its own story. I I think it's in my autobiography. But yeah was amazing and uh i just did it and did it and did it and then i started putting jokes daily on twitter mm -hmm. and i just recently like in the last week or so quit that and i'm putting a joke once a once a day on uh tiktok.com TikTok and yeah. you know it's so funny sometimes the jokes get uh, a thousand views and sometimes they get forty thousand views yeah my world record like one joke got like six hundred and fifty thousand views yeah isn't that crazy but they, but they got to be clean so yeah. i'm yeah. doing TikTok's the same thing the we, you know we'll, <laughs> i'm doing the same thing as we did on the on the stern show instead of uh she doesn't he doesn't want to get any shit on his cock i'm saying he doesn't want to get any poop on his rocket, <laughs> you know, which is, and if you scan that, funnier. if the Chinese people scan that, they don't yeah. see a dirty joke. I mean, yeah. they don't see a dirty word. Yeah. You know, I've had so many filthy jokes on there, but I got, I got, uh, I get, we, we got an account warning that for us they, too. Yeah. They don't delay, delete it. They, they uh, block it, silence it. They, yeah. they don't block it. They, they just had it, you know, mute it. I'm yeah, sorry. I'm you're right. slow with the you're words. Right. Yeah. And I got muted for the word masturbate. <laughs> and I got muted for the word dildo. Yeah. I'm like, this isn't going to last long. And that, <laughs> and that was it. And then the other day I did like eight jokes, which I never do. I did eight quick ones and I got muted. I'm like, which joke? You know, they're all pretty dirty. <laughs> so I complained. And then next thing I know, they put it through. Yeah. And now, and now, you know, that that's up to like 12,000. Yeah. You know, it, it's fun. It, it's weird though. It's, it's tiktok.com slash but it's at Jackie Martin. So, yeah. so many people never find it because I don't know why they have that nomenclature. For, but once yeah. people get it, you know, 
And per, it's fun. It's just stupid. You know, me and my stupid jokes. You know. Yeah. Well, we follow you. The show follows you, actually. And everyone listening, in the description of this episode, we'll have a link to the TikTok, Jokeland.com, everything that Jackie has. So if you want to get shows, tickets, or view anything, you can definitely do that. He's got a lot of great stuff out there. It's really fun. Plus, too, if you're doing the TikTok format, I mean, you can translate it over to YouTube and to Instagram. Like, they all have the like the short, like the minute clip videos now, which is it's the new big thing apparently. People's I, attention. You no, know, I I can't keep up with it, you know. But uh, I'm sure yeah. I could be doing a lot more if I knew what the <laughs> hell I was doing. And I got to yeah. correct you. I don't. I I've written plenty of jokes, but relatively speaking, so few. Um, I grew up as a music. Well, I became a musician, but I've uh -huh. been telling jokes since I was like in third grade. Yeah, and they're just old jokes. Old jokes have become new again, become old again, become <laughs> yeah. new again, and even dial a joke. Every, everything, all my all my CDs, everything yeah. is old classic jokes with a few weird observations here and there. Yeah. And what's really funny is every single thing I wrote for Howard, there were no joke. He didn't like jokes. I think in the whole 15 or 18 years on the show, I probably told three jokes or five jokes. And oh, then wow. him and Robin would pretend they wouldn't get it. And I get so much <laughs> mail from people saying that was the funniest fucking thing I ever heard. You know, yeah. it's, it's the same old thing. Yeah. But I no. but I'm not a joke writer. I'm a I'm a collector and a distributor and and I just know how to tell them better any better yeah. uh, better than anybody else. So I, I agree. The hell and you well, you you did, uh, I guess, kind of your start for, like you said, you did do music and you were in some, I mean, I love the names of some of your bands. There was, it was like Pillowcase, Pillow with a Y, the Sonics, the Off Hour Rockers, all of those. But you, when you transitioned into comedy, it kind of started like, uh, like Dangerfield, writing jokes for Dangerfield was kind of maybe more of the tipping point to get you out of doing music. Is that right? Because you no, wrote. No, because that actually happened. Uh very early on, the, the way things happen is so weird. Um, I had a band in college. Mm -hmm. I, I had a band in high school. Then I had a band Same. in college called the Off Hour Rockers. Okay. And then on then during the school, uh, and then college, it was the Sonics, and then it was the Pillowcase. Yeah. And then uh, in summers, we had tonight's episode with a Y, you know, the same crap. <laughs> but then when we had the show in the 70s, we used off our rockers again. And that's what yeah. I did up until the time I quit. But I found out about uh, the Catch a Rising Star and, and Dangerfields mm -hmm. and just on a whim, just sent him jokes that had nothing to do. I wasn't hard. I was just piddling with comedy. I had just, yeah. you know, all of us were brand new. Yeah. And then we started working at this one place and it was like me and Richie Minervini and Bob Nelson and Eddie Murphy and Rob Bartlett. Yeah. And all of a sudden that little gang. But this thing with Rodney was a year before that or something. You know, yeah. it was just a, it was just such an anomaly. Yeah. But uh, it was it just, the whole thing is just the way things fall, fall in, in line with each other. But that's how it is for everybody. Yeah. You know, I'm listening to Don Felder's autobiography from the Eagles. Oh, and cool. all I'd have to do is change the names. It's the same story, you know, trying yeah. to get up the money and working little jobs and getting enough to get a guitar and then getting up to get an amp and getting yeah. another friend so you can have a band in high school, you know, and it's like, I, I got I, I don't know if he's dead or alive. I don't know. I got to write to him and said, I would tell you that that's my story, but I'm sure it's the story of every kid that ever bought a guitar and, mm -hmm. and wound up in a band. You know, mm -hmm. it's just it's just how it works. You know, you want to be a yeah. writer, you want to be a painter. I guess you buy, you know, some yeah. paints, you know, like, fuck that, you know. Yeah. You want to be a shit <laughs> shoveler? You got to get a shovel. That's how you it can't works. Get, you, you, you know, you can't get laid uh, drawing pictures. 
it's, it takes too too much time. You know? Yeah, that's the truth, man. No, you're and and you you are right in what you're saying, but you came up, but with Dangerfield though, I mean, like, is there? Do you still get a high? Like when, like, I know you're sober, you know, 22 years sober, but do you still get like that feeling when a joke hits? And you get people laughing. Like, is that not still one of the best feelings ever? Like, do you still get that? That uh, that's the heroin of the business. That yeah. never goes away. Yeah. Just like if you have, you know, if if you're only as good as the last joke, you can be killing and killing, and all of a sudden, boom. You know, I always told jokes, mm-hmm. and uh, when I first started, the pe- people in the city were like, "Oh, that guy from Long Island that tells old jokes," and they they kind of thought that I picked up a joke book and opened it up. Mm-hmm. and shows some jokes and the truth yeah. is i've been telling the jokes my entire life and they're tested and well-worn and mm-hmm. whittled down and i when i started having people ask me to tell them tell me a joke i haven't heard starting in like 1975 they very very rarely did it yeah. and and i finally said listen you guys you think i'm just up there putzing yeah take a couple joke books choose a bunch of jokes and go on stage and tell them i dare you because yeah. you you tell a joke and nobody laughs. You tell another joke and nobody laughs. It gets so fucking lonely so Ooh. fast. You got to know, you know, people say, oh, he tells old jokes. The people that do Hamlet, yeah. they didn't write that. Some people yeah. do it amazingly and some people are an embarrassment. But it's the same shit, you know. <laughs> yeah. It, you know, it's it's like, a, it, it's really funny. It's really, no, you know, it, you, you I never get sick of defending it. I never no. get sick of defending it, you know, you, it's you, fun. It's great. I mean, you know, people don't realize that. Yeah, there's a you can, you know, reading words on a page is one thing, but you've got the delivery, you've got the timing, all of that takes years and years of practice. And you gotta and, know, you know what ones are gonna work. Yeah, you know, it's uh, you know, I, I don't, I'm not trying to make it more than it is, but I don't want it to be less than it is either. You know, yeah, what, it is. The, no, look, it's one of the toughest art forms, but like, like Norm tells great joke jokes mm-hmm. that like, the, and you don't have that anymore. The like Hedge, Hedberg would go on stage and tell you I, a thousand I jokes. Hate, I hate the expression joke jokes. You know what I mean? Street, street. No, no, I'm not blaming her. Street jokes, joke jokes. Like the other night, the other day I did a joke and it was, I looked like a young girl's picture and she wrote, you know, like people put comments like dad jokes. I'm like, yeah, fucking dad jokes. I told them to you. I told them to your father. I told him your father's father, you stupid broad. You know, get a fucking life, you know. And yeah. then I just block people. People take a shot at me. I block them. And then when they go back looking for another joke, like, fuck you. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. They where, couldn't take the joke? criticism anyway. Yeah, where's the joke I can criticize, you know? Yeah, yeah. Which is yeah. just so childish, but childish is everything, you know? true very true (laughs) but part of the internet yeah oh yeah when you get like when you get to shit on someone i mean when you like hit a slam dunk on someone especially if it's like a troll job you're like all right this is okay but when it happens to you you're like motherfucker (laughs) you know Uh, you know the 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 stories of stuff that happened in clubs and and the heckler stuff so many of the stories it just next book's got to be full of those you know because they're just so much fun you know so much fun yeah, and we oh. brought up your book a couple times, and like I said, in the description of this episode, we'll definitely have a link for that. And I, I did it, I did it twice, and it was honestly, it was great. I love to like when you're telling, like, and I know I've said it, when you're telling stories about Dangerfield and hanging out with him, like that's crazy. 
you know like he he must like talk about an all-time iconic guy and you're mm-hmm. you know like he liked to party too <laughs> you know what i mean you like know, and 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 he, he wasn't funny you know he's the greatest <laughs> stand-up comedian in the world but he wasn't a, a funny guy per se but he was a joy to be with yeah but uh like it was so I, this is probably in my book but we were in fort lauderdale i wasn't yep. he wasn't working we were in fort lauderdale for a week with his uh, daughter and her friend and his son, Brian. Mm-hmm. And uh, sometimes is the oldest joke in the book, but I know them all. So the right joke plays right here. So me and Rodney, I walk along the beach and one of these muscle bound morons is on yeah. the beach and he's doing push up. And I said, Rodney, look, that guy lost his partner. And he says, you really are fucking funny, aren't you? You're really, I'm like the oldest fucking line I ever heard in my, you know, yes, Bobby, yeah. I am very yeah. funny. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for you to notice. Very nice. Yeah. I, I, I just love the guy. I love the guy. No. <laughs> yeah. He was, so yeah. Stupid. Yeah. And you, and you did, I mean, and you were responsible, like, what about that feeling too? When you did Tennessee two bagger and you hear him say that, and then it becomes like a big thing. Right. Like how crazy, you know, that must have been one of the craziest feelings ever. And that was so haphazard. Yeah. You know, I had a friend who was selling Coke and doing Coke in Peru. And he called me up and said, Chief, you got to hear this joke. Wake up. He knew I was awake. It was like, <laughs> wasn't awake. It was like four in the morning. Yeah. He kept me on the phone long enough. And he said, yeah, I ran into this crazy guy. This guy, JR, is the greatest. He's dead now. But he's like, uh, this right. guy, Tennessee Bob, is unbelievable. He does this joke about the Tennessee two-bagger. She's so ugly that if you need two bags. So if the bag over her head breaks, you still got a bag on your head. I forget exactly. <laughs> and and I fucking <laughs> fell down. And my friend was, I gave my friend a bunch of jokes to give it to Rodney. And that was one of them. Yeah. And I was living at my grandmother's house after she passed away. Me and my girlfriend. Uh-huh. Nobody has the number. All uh-huh. her friends are dead. Nobody calls the house. But of course, when I sent the jokes, you know, I had already typed them up. My friend said, no, I don't know him. I didn't meet him. I said, well, you cocksucker, at least hand these to him. Yeah. And he said, I don't know him. So I just wrote Rodney's address and put the jokes in the mail. Uh-huh. And two days later, the phone rings at my grandma's. Nobody has the fucking number. And I'm, we're sitting having lunch. I said, hello. Hello. I said, Lois, listen. Hello. Who is this? He says, it's Rodney. And I said, <laughs> Rodney who? And he said, I knew you were fucking funny. I knew that right away. You were fucking funny. And Lois goes, who is that? It's fucking Rodney Dangerfield on the phone. I sent him. Oh, who is it? Richie? No, it's fucking Rodney. Oh. And we went to Westbury Music Fair and walked in there. And she's beautiful. And I got a ponytail and ragged blue jeans oh some funny shit here wow she's beautiful you want a piece of fruit oh she's a very nice girl hey what's with the fucking hair jesus got in the blue jeans (laughs) jesus she's beautiful you want a piece of fruit just wired to the fucking oh my god it's like she died and then we went watch the show and we did the two bag of the place one fucking bat shit and like you know know. i mean i didn't write it but it's the right Joke you at sold the right it. time. You yeah. know, there's so yeah. much of Rodney's act and other people's like the, the joke jokes. They've all come from somewhere. Nobody believes that, you know. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like and, and it's it's so fun throwing this around. I love to discuss it with people because they're we're all fascinated by the whole thing, you know. Uh-huh. Yeah, not everybody, just some of us, but the people no. that discuss it, you know. I'm I am fascinated by it, and people don't realize what you're saying is that. The, like, you think these comedians think of all this shit themselves? Absolutely right. not. Well, no. a lot of a lot of them really do. The guys that do the, you know, the first person stuff. Yeah. Or anything that's a setup and a punchline. 
no matter how it winds itself in. It, it, you know, because I always tell people, if you think you can come up with a joke that about shitting, pissing, fucking, vomiting, picking your nose that somebody hasn't come up with since Adam and Eve, yeah. In all those years in world, you got you're out of your mind. You know, there mm-hmm. were dirty joke books in 1200. And some of, you know, the jokes that were about Cleopatra were now about Madonna and now about, you know, Kim Kat, whatever fucking yeah. faces, you know, Kardashian. <laughs> and it's, it's, you know, and it's, it's very interesting. It's very fun. No. Yeah. I think, I mean, that's another idea for a book, the history of jokes. Right. But well, I'm yeah, working on that too, because it's, you know, a guy, uh, Rich Scheidner is doing a one man show about, the history of stand-up comedy oh really but, but but jokes per se is a whole different ball game you know mm-hmm. and, and i get such a kick out of them you know because they all come in so many shapes and sizes and different you know somebody was asked me the other day this guy that was the one of the editors of the aristocrat mm-hmm. he said i think i wrote a joke and he told me the joke and i said that joke has been around forever but if you take the punchline, what what joke is it? it if it's a, one of those punchlines, that's like a familiar saying. Yeah. You just write backwards and come up with a story that's going to get you there. And the same joke, you know, and the, the punchline is you should have quit when you were ahead. And there are a hundred thousand versions. I said, yeah, Emery, you certainly wrote that. And so did everybody else that wrote that, you know? Yeah. Which, yeah. I, you know, just, just curious, you know, like the, the there's nothing funnier than the jokes about the word nevertheless. But what sucks about that is it's referred to by the punchline, which is, hey, do you know that joke about to get to the other side? Game over. You know what I mean? So, but the nevertheless thing, Google that. It is just fucking fascinating. Okay. Fascinating. Yeah. And I and I bombed so bad <laughs> at the at the what, the guy with the fucking hair. Don uh, Don King. Oh, Don King. Don, okay. Don King wrote like 3,000 people. The guy who introduced me was Trump. And like an <laughs> idiot, I told some longer jokes, which the people just have no attention span. Yeah. And and then the punchline, I had to be off mic because I was too stupid. So I'm kind of off mic so nobody heard it. But while I was saying the most filthy thing you could say, I was five feet away from Dion Warwick. <laughs> oh, no. I'm looking at Dion Warwick and saying, Kate Smith, that fat cunt, she sucked every cock on the East Coast. <laughs> and, and and I'm like, I'm, I'm like, I'm Dion, I love Dion, you know, like I grew up with Dion. So fun. Not Dion the Belmont, Dion, you know, I don't make me over. That's before your time. You know? No, I know you're talking about <laughs> we that. We know it. We know it. Yeah. So funny. So fucking funny. That is great. And then, but jokes have become like that's your that's your that's your shtick. You are you're the joke man, right? And that would be like part of your act. And like you told the great story about in Montreal, where you you go up on stage, right? And you're doing your thing, and then you let the audience come to you with jokes, and it like just like you're saying to see if they can stump you. And that's and it, been, that's that was a staple of my act. Not so much lately, but that was a staple of my act for ten years, yeah. twelve years. Like I had shirts of every different color that said "I stumped Jackie the Joke Man." And at the end of my act, the guys would raise their hands, mm-hmm. and the women would come up on stage, and I get like eight, five, ten, twenty girls up on stage all at once. Yeah, do all the guys and do the girls, and it was so lewd. I was like. I would be in jail, you know, pushing oh. the girls head down between my legs and put my nose between their boobs. But they all knew me. They all knew why we were there. It wasn't yeah. like I went out and did it on the street 
And yeah. I, I always knew the joke. But if I didn't know the jokes, it was even a bigger smash because the people go berserk. It was a no lose oh. proposition and people yeah. just fucking loved it. And I, you know, I, those days were so, so great. I, I, I uh, hosted the Rascals Comedy Hour for uh-huh. two years. And the deal I made with them, they paid me terribly. <laughs> but I said, I'm just introducing the acts. You know, hello, this is Jackie. I do like a 10 minute monologue. And then bring on three comedians one at a time. But the deal I made with them was when the show was over being taped, they kept the, the uh, cameras going for a half hour. Uh-huh. And so I'd get to play Stump the Joke Man for a half hour. And I got endless footage of Stump the Joke Man. With, uh, and it's, right. yeah, but it's so, it's so lewd. Like you said, you know, I'd, I'd be on, I'd, they'd come and lock me up, you know. Yeah. Oh, it was so yeah. funny. So funny. Yeah, but you would have been yeah. canceled like, you know, 20 right. times over by now. So the, what, I interrupted you. But what had happened was I was doing that, doing my act, which is a very abbreviated port, uh, 20 minutes and then played some the joke, man. I had 10 girls on stage. For, I swear from central casting, you know, a short mm-hmm. girl, a fat girl, a Jewish mm-hmm. girl, a Chinese guy. It was almost like I had handpicked them. Mm-hmm. And I went up and down, you know, who are you? What do you do? Insulting them, you know, all in fun. Mm-hmm. And then when I was done with the guys, I just held the microphone and the girl said, set up. And I said, the answer, the girl set up. And the last girl out of either eight or 10 was a Chinese girl. And here I've been attacking women and attacking everybody for so long. Yeah. And she did the setup in pidgin English. Like you could barely understand <laughs> what she was saying. Yeah. And I didn't fucking know the answer. (laughs) And I started pacing up and down on the uh, stage like a tiger. Mm -hmm. And it was just like a midnight show at Club Soda at at the Montreal Fest. And I think you could have cut the tension with a knife. It was (sighs) beautiful. And I didn't know the answer. And then she said the answer in pidgin English. She could just barely understand what she i mean the fucking place i mean went batshit i've I've had crowds go wild she said what is difference no how are how are toilet seat anniversary and clitoris the same and i'm like oh jesus christ oh jesus christ oh jesus christ and the place is on like the place is on edge they're like Uh, oh yeah tinder hooks and then i said i give up and she said men miss them all By God, the roof came off. It was fucking insane. I gave them all shirts. I said, thank you. Nick DiPaolo came up and said, good night, everybody. And when he left the stage, they were still laughing and cheering. Oh, and I came off. I bet. And, and a guy from uh, who are the two guys that produced Letterman and Woody Allen, uh, Charles jo- Rollins and Joffe. Okay. And, and Charles Joffe was there in the audience, you know, yeah. in the back. And I came off and he came up to me and said, and he was a thousand years old. I don't know. This is 1993. Mm-hmm. He, he didn't, I didn't know him. But he said, Jackie, that is maybe the most spectacular thing I've ever seen. That was unbelievable. <laughs> but how often do the girls come up on stage? I said, Charles, I'm not lying to you. Every show they come up, every show they're that varied. Sometimes they get me, sometimes they don't. But it is a surefire kill every time. He said, I just can't believe it. And I thought, well, I'm made. Yeah. Well, the phone didn't ring the next day or the next week or the next year. And uh, Charles Joffe went back to uh, fucking his secretary. And that was the end of it for me. (laughs) But it was it was just uh, and I I think I think they used to tape all of those shows. They were classic midnight. It was called the nasty show. Yeah. 
So maybe that exists on tape somewhere, but it was spectacular. I mean, spectacular. you like the first night you were there, you didn't headline, but your show was so big that no one, everyone was like, we're not following this fucking guy. And they were well, like, you know, they had to put you well, as the, you, the last you one. It, you're making more of it than it was, but it was Roger Rittenhouse. It, it was Nick DiPaolo was the host. Then a really funny guy with one hand and a prosthesis named Roger Rittenhouse and me and Bob Schimmel. And after the first Schimmel. night, he said, he said, you know, but he's low key, very funny and brutally wonderful. Yeah. But I'm allowed now, you know, yeah. allowed, and I, I, I didn't do stump the joke man to try and make trouble. They made it part of the deal that I had to do that. Yeah. And he said, I ain't fucking following Jackie doing that shit. So the next <laughs> night I closed the show, but not because yeah. I asked to. Yeah. And me and Schimmel were always great, great friends, you know. No, you, you didn't ask to, but they they needed it because you're it was too much energy. They were so yeah, yeah. they hit such it, a high not, with you. It's high energy anyway, but that night was just it was just ridiculous. It, oh. You know, I, I you couldn't have scripted it, you know. And, you, and I'd never heard that joke before. And that is a really, really spectacularly funny, smart, yeah. terrific anti-man joke. Yeah. And that, 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 that those adjectives adjectives don't always find the, find themselves in the same sentence, you know? <laughs> yeah. And it, the, the delivery too must've been like, Oh, incredible. Yeah. I mean, would you say that's one of your like most memorable nights ever on that stage? That was the second most memorable. The first memorable is when the girl followed me home and sucked my cock. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, I understand. No, why. That, that, that did not happen. <laughs> I mean, not happen I mean, once. the blowjob happened, but the joke didn't happen. <laughs> so i don't know what i'm talking about no no I, you're you're the, hey come on so all Jana, right Jana, pay no attention <laughs> i you, i've been i've been playing candy crush yeah sure so either way we uh so people don't realize this too back in the day right like i mean now with the social media everybody aspect everybody says back in the day what fucking day is that we're talking about what's what back uh, in the day back in the I, day I guess this would be Roosevelt, George Washington, you know, whose day? I, I think it would be back in the Tuesday. So, oh, okay. Yeah. That would be that's exact. Yeah. So, you, but you had to really be a hustler back then and you were putting out your own albums and like betting on yourself and placing this money and all that stuff. So, you, you would have to like find the place to, you, you would record it and you did it live, right? Like, you were one of the first ones to do like the live recording. You piece it together and then you would have to send it to get it published and then distribute it, right? Like, that was, that was, uh, forget the Stern show and all that. That was, that was the really ballsy thing. Like, I worked at a recording mm -hmm. studio uh -huh. and, uh, a long story, but the guy who started the recording studio played in a band in the same bars that we played. <clears throat> and the owner of the band of the bar decided he wanted to make a record out of the song called the pot song that Howard used to play all, all the time. Uh -huh. And so we made it. And then they came to one of my gigs and they saw that I had a microphone on the foot tambourine. And they said, well, you know about, you know what you're doing here. So I went to work for them for peanuts. But after a couple of years, I knew what you needed to do to make a record. You find out that any moron, you don't need Sony records. You need a tape and a picture and a few dollars and you uh -huh. send it and it's like making a cake and you come out with an album. <clears throat> so we're working at, we started comedy in this little restaurant yeah. upstairs at a place called Cinnamon. Mm -hmm. And I, Richie would host the shows and I would close the shows with my loudmouth act with my guitar. 
Uh-huh. The whole first year I was in comedy, I closed every show and I always played my guitar for the whole show. Uh-huh. And I hung two two microphones and put the microphones into one side of a cassette recorder and me into the other side of the cassette recorder and took it home and transferred it to reel to reel and chopped it up with a razor blade. And wow. when I had two sides, I said, okay, that's that. And I borrowed $100 from everybody I knew. I had $1,500. I had my class picture where I'm giving the finger. <laughs> and I took a couple <laughs> pictures and I sent it to Nashville. And I'll tell you, when I went to to Port Authority to pick up those albums, you would have thought I was going to the hospital to pick up triplets. It was like, uh, holy fucking God. Yeah. And I did that three times. And by 1982, I had three records. Mm-hmm. I wasn't Bill Cosby. I didn't have records for Casablanca or, or for CBS. Yeah. They're homemade things with, with real pictures and real tape. Yeah. But they were, and then uh, they told me to look up this guy, Howard Stern, who just got fired from uh, Washington and he's going to NBC. Mm-hmm. I just sent, just like I sent the jokes to Rodney, I sent the three albums to Howard Stern. I didn't know who the fuck he was, never heard of him. I, I'm a hippie. <laughs> I listened to the Eagles in my car. I didn't listen to radio. Yeah. But here's three records that looked pretty good. They were totally homemade, but they, this here's a guy with three records, and he's coming to New York. It it had to be in some way the least bit impressive or something, or worth giving me a shot. But I can't imagine how much shit came to NBC. Oh. What if he What if he had just tossed that to the side? You know, yeah. like you'll never know. You know, and uh, right. and he called me up and said, "You want to come in today and uh, host a, 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 cha- a uh, what do you call it? a talent contest? We're doing over the telephone." And it sounded fun. I went in there and, uh, and, and he sounded- said, you were fun. Come back next week. And then th- that was the beginning of 18 years of, you know, just wow. craziness. But th- it's so random. You know, there's, a, there's an old story about uh, Hillary Clinton and somebody's interviewing her. And they said, you know, you've done pretty good for yourself and you're doing very well. But come on, you know, you're married to the president of the United States, you know. What would have happened if you had a married a gas station attendant? And you know what she said? She said, then he'd be president. Oh, <laughs> what a line. Yeah. What a line. And, and yeah. that's the same thing. You know, they say, yeah, you're so lucky you ran to Howard. First of all, it wasn't luck. It was perseverance to even get to where I had the records. Damn but right. if I hadn't have bumped into him, I wouldn't, gonna, I wouldn't have said, well, nobody responded. Nobody responded to 400 sets of the crap that we sent out. Yeah. We would have just kept going till you know, one of the stones went into the round, round pig, you know. Yeah. Or else maybe I'd be broke. Maybe it wouldn't have taken me this long to get broke. Would Who you, knows? do you ever think like, I mean, cause you say it in no, the book. No, no, I never was going to be a gigolo. I, was never <laughs> gonna, you know. I mean, after you retired, of course, but yeah, yeah. no, uh, but Eddie Murphy had asked you to help him produce a record, right? Do you, do you, well, he didn't, he, he, he make it sound like we had some kind of, you know, Sit no, down. No, yeah. what, what was happening? I was at the East Side Comedy Club and I was recording. I was set up to record my second record, and everybody knew about my first record because it was it was a big deal. Adam Wallace, yeah. guys, I went away with Rodney and mm-hmm. I had an album. Mm-hmm. You know, I got Rodney to buy one of my albums and I kept the check for five dollars from Rodney Dangerfield. You know, Aww, it's still sitting around great. somewhere. Yeah. And and Eddie just, you know, he saw the microphones hanging there and he said, Jack, you have an album. I want to have an album. I said, I'm sorry, Eddie. I'm too busy. <laughs> <laughs> not not a, being a yeah. dick. Not being a dick. I really, you know. Yeah. It's hey, man. It's, it's not like you're, you know, it's not like you're not lying. You were just busy. When And when hey. you said the Cinnamon Club, was that the one owned by uh, Jerry Cooney's brother? 
Jerry Cooney's brother, Michael. And Cooney always came in and punched us in the balls with his big hands. Oh, we had so much fun. And that grew into a place called the Eastside Comedy Club, which okay. was the first uh, full-time comedy club on Long Island. And it just, it, it just, the whole thing just fell, you know, where we all met, where we met was a place called Richard M. Dixon's White House Inn. And this guy, Richard M. Dixon, had his face surgically changed to look like Nixon. And that is not, that wow. is the absolute God gospel. You can look it up. Wow. And, uh, and he was a good guy. He was all right, but he wouldn't pay us, you know? And, uh, so we said, all right, we got to find, and we found a place. Richie found a place. He said, listen, can we get up and, and do comedy and we'll take the what's at the door. And if enough people come in, you'll make a lot of money with, with the drinks. And that show kept going for like 15 years. You know, Golly. it was, it was, you know, when I produced shows on Long Island with my amplifier and my guitar and a microphone, and I had a show in every goddamn, every place on Long Island. You wouldn't believe it. But the guys from the city, they all love me because yeah. they had, there was no place to work. Yeah. And they came work for me. They made $40 or $50. That was like a home run as opposed to going to the comic strip and getting $5 and, yeah. and maybe a hamburger, yeah. you know, and, and, you know, and get stoned and get drunk and get laid and have a yeah. wonderful time, you know. Yeah, it was worth it for sure. What? Uh, okay, so real quick, Jackie, we have a segment right now that we want to get into. It's the J-Dubs question segment. Justin's going to ask you a few questions. And, uh, you know, knock, uh, you know, if you want to answer, go ahead. If not, you can uh, spit in his eye either way. Right. Eight, uh, eight inches. <laughs> Soft or hard? Y yes. Excellent. No, no, it's Soft. eight inches. But I, I have to tell you the truth. That's a little too wide for most women. <laughs> it's like a Heineken can. Yeah, damn, that was good. All right, Justin, go ahead. Well, with, with that, when's the last time your mom saw your dick? Uh, she <laughs> died in 1998. But I think the last time she saw my dick was uh, when I ran around the uh, neighborhood naked when I was three. So it would have been after that. Somewhere I would say, uh, I would say when I was six or seven. You know, wasn't it? Wasn't right. a big a reasonable. Deal. You didn't get caught beating right. it at all as a child. No, you just kept tripping over no. it, and she was like, no. "Hey, you got to tuck this thing." Yeah. You know, it's funny. My my family was crazy, and Same. my mother my mother was Dorothy Parker. You know, if you my got mother's name nasty, is Dorothy. Really, if you got something nasty to say, sit here. And uh, I know when I was this this drove Howard fucking nuts because when I was a little kid, sometimes when you're a little kid, your zipper's down. Mm -hmm. And when I was like five years old, seven years old, if my zipper was down, my mother would point and go, "Huh, it's ever ready, Eddie." <laughs> which is which just Howard could not believe that I because I tell him about my mother like uh you know when you're a kid sometimes you misplace something like you know where are my shoes you know ma where are my shoes or ma yeah. where's my baseball glove I say ma where's my baseball glove and my mother and she got me with this probably five times which is you know catching your little kid in tripping him up it, you know yeah. And I'd say, where's my baseball glove? And she'd say, you know, Helen Hunt. And I'd say, no, we'll go to Helen Hunt for it. <laughs> <laughs> Which was and every time I'd be like, fuck, she got me again. You know? and this is long, oh, that's long, fucking great. Long, long before the days of Helen Hunt, you know, yeah. you know, Helen Hunt. And to this day, I'm sure it's, it was an old thing. But she could have made that. You know, my, my mother was real smart, ridiculously yeah. smart and just wonderful. You know, she was working at Grumman, you know, helping build the planes for the Second World War, you know, and uh, oh, wow. just 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 a character. And everybody, you know, I had so many people. My house was a center mm -hmm. of action in my hometown and all my friends. And then it was all my brother's friends. And then mm -hmm. it was all my sister's friends. And it was yeah. all my brother Jimmy's friends. And it 
it, it was it's it's hard to believe what it was like. And it's you know if you if you went through any of that, you're like, well, no wonder Jackie wound up the asshole that he is. You know, I I miss those days. My my house was like a hotel when I was a kid, and I kind of like honestly, like I remember talking to my brother, and I said on the show before, but I, like even as a kid, like an eight year old kid, I could wake up at two in the morning, someone was up. You know what I mean? Or someone was there. There's always something going on. There's always action. Everyone, there's always, you know, bullshit everybody's getting into. I, I'm, I, you know, truthfully, I miss it, but sometimes I'm like, yeah, I want some fucking peace and quiet too. You know what I mean? So, yeah. You know, you wonder so many things, so many pebbles in the stream can change everything. You know, I, I didn't have great grades in high school, but I was on the drama club and I was mm -hmm. a gymnast and I was mm -hmm. on the track team. And I was in the chorus play. So I was a rounded guy and I apl applied to Michigan State, which is a state school. So they didn't take many people, but I'm sure they saw that I did all this other crap and I was accepted. Now, Michigan State was huge. Yeah. And they had these mm -hmm. different complexes of the Wilson Wonders complex and mm -hmm. the, this complex. And they put me in a tiny old dormitory, Snyder Phillips, that was boys on one side, girls on the other side. And the dormitory housed a liberal arts college within the university, the Justin Morrill College. And I wasn't even in Justin Morrill, but most of the piece in the people in the dormitory were. Okay. And they were all hippies and crazy and creative and wonderful. And the rest of the place was mishmash, you know, middle of the road, yeah. Midwest people. If I'd have been in any of those other dorms, I don't know what this place, Snyder Hall, was spectacular. You know, we had our band and we started smoking pot and sneaking yeah. women in. And everything. It was just the most wonderful. I still dream about, you know, being there. You know, it was just. Yeah. And that was just the luck of the draw that I wound up there. And little things, a little thing, but something like that can completely, you know, if I didn't get accepted to Michigan State, God knows where I would have wound up. You know, it, yeah. every every little thing changes everything, you know. Yeah, no, you're 100% right. Yeah, yeah what sure. you know, like, and like you're saying, being in a house full of people, having fun, going to Michigan State, one little, you know, turn of the road, but it does take perseverance too. Like, I don't want people to think like, you know, everything happened to your luckiest guy ever. You're a hard worker and you hustle. You know what I mean? No, there's no, there's no luck. You know, the luckier you get is de determined by how hard you work. I you know, people, not, people are like, oh, you're lucky. You sent how, how are your albums and you got a job. I said, well, I didn't get a job. For the first three years, I worked for absolutely nothing, worked for free. Mm -hmm. And that was one of 400 sets of three albums that me and Nancy sent out. Yep. We didn't have the money for albums or for the postage or for anything. And we just kept at it and kept at it and throwing shit against the wall. Yep. And we, I started the dial joke to promote that first show we had at mm -hmm. that Jerry Cooney's brother's place mm -hmm. and everything. If you connect the dots backwards, it's just like yep. a maze. If you connect yeah. the dots backwards, it's an easy, it's an easy trail. Yeah. But on the way there, you're bang into this one, bang into that wall, you know. But yeah. it's interesting, you know. Yeah, but it's all part of all part of the experience. And that's what builds character. Justin, go ahead. What's your next question? Did you get arrested that was as a one minor? Question? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did you get arrested I, as a minor? What do you mean as a minor? Uh, a under seventeen, under age of eighteen. Or under 18, yeah. Yeah, I, I spent the night in jail six times, but I think uh, one of them was uh, what it was funny. I was. I got a speeding ticket on Staten Island and I talked my buddy into coming with me because I had to appear in court uh -huh. and I stood up in court and the guy said, uh, I think I had 20 bucks with me. What do I know? And he says, uh, that'll be $50. I'm like, I don't have $50. Oh, sorry, son. And they grabbed me and I said, Paul, go get some money. Funny enough, Paul is the guy whose family lived in the place where I got my Oh, you hurt your knee? Okay. 
But uh, Paul DeGuzman, great guy. So he takes off for Manhattan because his parents lived in Manhattan to get the money to build. But he didn't get back in time. So I got loaded into the, the paddy wagon, yeah. or whatever they call it. And they took us to the Brooklyn House of Detention. And I got my pillow and my blanket and I got bologna uh, sandwich. It was beyond absolutely frightening Mm -hmm. because you're in the you're in a paddy wagon with crooks. You know, you know, it's like the old Arlo Guthrie. People saying, what'd you do? I I cut my wife. What'd you do? I, you know, I steal cars. What are you doing? I I got the man. I I said, I I went too fast. And they laughed, you know, there's a a paddy wagon with one window that's like three by three. And there's there's fucking bars in that little window. It's just you couldn't believe one guy got in, sat down, took out a bobby pin, took off his handcuffs, relaxed. (laughs) And when we got to where we're going, he put his handcuffs back on. I'm like, this is this. You you can't make this shit up. Wow. But I didn't spend the night that time because he got back. They told him where I was and he went to Brooklyn House of Detention. So like at 10 o'clock at night, I got bailed out. I was great friend. I was there. For a week. That's what it felt like. Yeah. A week, you know. Yeah. And then, yeah. and, you know, and then, and then you start getting a little crazy. And I went to jail in Rye, New York for, you know, DWI. And I went to jail. How, how old were you? Were you under, yeah, I guess it was 18 at the time? No, no. I was, uh, what would I have been? Uh, probably like 32. Rascal's Comedy Hour. It was their fifth anniversary. So I think it was like 1985. So I was pretty okay. well along. Right. And uh, and we all got so drunk at the at the fifth anniversary, and then I had a gig the next day, and I you know and I said, "Come on, shots for the band, shots for the band." The waitresses brought up shots, and everybody in the show was Jewish. The Jews don't drink, so I drank all the shots like a moron. <laughs> and I'm on my way back. I'm a, and I had a gig in Connecticut. Yeah. So uh, at Brad Axelrod's um, or the Treehouse Comedy Club. So I had a morning radio show to do to promote the club. And my wife had to, my future ex-wife had to come up from Long Island and bail me out. Oh. And she was so pissed off. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I, I had slept for a few minutes. What happened was I got off the, 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 the whatever road it is. Because a lot of times you get off the road and then you get back up on. So yeah. I got off the road, took a leak and thought I'd just get right back on. But it was one of those exits that wasn't an off and on. It was get off <laughs> and then you got to know where you are. And I, so I wound up, I was driving down the streets of Rye, New York, with the middle line in the middle of the car, so I wouldn't hit <laughs> anything. And the cop was like, Jesus Christ, you know, come on, let's go. So my wife comes to bail me out and takes me to the radio station where I have to do this interview. I'm hungover. I am a mess. And the DJ was a ventriloquist. He was a Spanish, <laughs> Spanish ventriloquist who had a fucking parrot named Jose. <laughs> so I got interviewed by this moron with a dummy. I was so fucking, and I'm, I'm laughing my ass off. And Nancy was ready to kill me. Yeah. And then we had a great show and blah, blah, blah. And then uh, I was Hurry. in Virginia Beach and yeah. uh, all the waitresses took me out. And uh, I said, well, I'll show these kids, you know. Yeah. And so they're all ordering Long Island iced tea. And I'm like, hey, where I come from, I'm from Long Island. We don't call it Long Island iced tea. On Long Island, it's just fucking iced tea. Yeah. And I must have drank three or four of them. And I fell asleep at a stoplight. Oh, I woke up. I woke up to the banging dang. on the window, and there's a female, a black female cop with her nightstick banging on the window, and I'm Ooh. passed out at the light. And so I went to jail, and yeah. then, uh, and the owner of the club was half mobbed up. And I said, "Listen, you cannot. You know, I got a DWI a month ago. Uh, my wife will divorce me. You got to get me out of this." And somehow, under the weather, I mean, under the table. 
I sent him money every once in a while and he, he got me out of it, which was just fantastic. And another oh. time I, Oh, I, you know what? I, that was before I was 18. I, uh, I was working at a country club uh-huh. and I was home from college. I was, I was the head bus boy of a, a pipe and rock club on long Island for my entire, uh, high school time. And, uh, yeah. The story is just about that. It's like the most blue blood place in the world. Like the Kennedys couldn't get in, you know, because they were Catholic. And so I'm the head bus boy. And and at some point, somebody took me up in the attic and I saw this great map. It was one of these maps, like a big hand-drawn map of Long Island, only with all the interesting places that things happen, like written. It was like a, a work of art. And I said, I got to get this thing. And uh, yeah, oh, you know and- what? I, I didn't. That's the wrong story. I didn't get caught for that. But I was, <laughs> that, that's. But did you? But did you? Did you steal the? Did you steal it? Getaway car. You know, it's downtime between the afternoon and night, and I went up in the attic and lowered the painting out the window and lowered it down onto the ground. Then came in my car and put it in my car and stole the fucking thing. I I don't. I don't. This this is the same club though. It's my parents' anniversary. They're married on July fourth, which is funny because that's when the fireworks started. Yeah. And <laughs> so I didn't have any money. I'm a poor college kid. I got no money. And we used, they used to have these huge debutante balls, which I'm sure they still do. Yeah. And they'd have like 500 folding chairs. And they were these nice wooden folding chairs that were gold with red velvet seats. They were beautiful. And they had just gotten a shipment. And each big box had like four chairs in it. So I did the same thing. It was in between the acts. I put it out the backside. I backed uh-huh. in. I put them. I had a, I had a 1961 uh chrysler imperial which has had a trunk that you could literally play play soccer in i mean it was immense so i put this huge box in there and then that night we all went out and i also stole this monstrous roll of aluminum foil because i needed a piece about this big to make a pipe to hold the hash and we all went out and got crazy and we came back and parked at the bowling alley bar and we're all dead drunk and we got a piece of aluminum foil and I, I had a huge hunk of chair, hash and I was selling a little piece of it here and there so I could get drunk each night. You know, that's just how things operated in 1967 or whatever. Yeah. And a cop pulled into the parking lot. Oh. There's a big bowling alley parking lot. And he pulls in and he said, what are you guys doing? You know, we're just hanging out. Yeah. There's nobody there. There's just us. There's beer cans. And like, he goes, what the hell is going on here? And he sees this monstrous roll of aluminum foil. I don't even know <laughs> where his head might've gone with that. And he, he's just curious. And he says, open the trunk. Now I've got a bag in my pocket with not a huge, huge hunk of, of uh, hash, but it's in a, a plastic bag yeah. in my pocket. Yeah. I open, I, I swear to God, I could see this. I open <laughs> the trunk and it's a big, cardboard you know three by three by four whatever and in huge letters it says two colon piping rock club locust valley new york and he said where'd you get that i said um they gave it to me <laughs> he says try again uh I, I i was bringing it to them from the post office I, whatever two excuses and the yeah. cop said one more try i said <laughs> i stole him and he said bingo and he calls backup backup's on its way and my guys are freaking out, but they're not guilty of anything. I'm so worried I'm going to get busted. I take the, I swear, you don't have to believe a word I say, but I never lie. I had this plastic bag with this big chunk of hash in it. Yeah. And I tried to swallow it. Oh. And there were story, so many stories about people choking to death and trying to do shit like that. Yeah. And I, I caught, I, it didn't go down. I went, you know, like a, like a Heimlich, Heimlich remote, uh, 
maneuver. Yeah. And the thing came out to me when I hacked. It was it, like it resounded, but the cop didn't hear a fucking thing. Oh. And I've got this bag with the hash in it that doesn't hardly weigh anything. And I tossed it as far as I could, but it only went so many feet. Yeah. And in the bowling alley oh, parking lot with the lights yep. looking over it, it looked like a diamond shining, right? Yeah. The, the <laughs> fucking backup cop pulls into the parking lot and pulls the car over the bag of hair. Oh, I God. swear on my mother. Oh, my God. And I, uh, holy shit. So they take me to Mineola. And, you know, of course, when you're drunk, you go to jail and you wake up in jail. You, you, know, you start trying to figure out how you got there. Yeah. And. They take me in front of the judge and my old man's there and he's ready to kill somebody. You know, the car's at the Bowling Alley parking lot and he only has the town car. He's not supposed to drive it. And the six foot six general manager of Piping Rock is there and uh, I'm shaking like a leaf. And the judge says, Sergeant, check that guy's arms. And I, I looked at my father. I said, Judge, I'm hung over. I'm not a fucking junk, whatever. I said, you know, yeah, I'm not a drug yeah. addict. And Mr. Ross, who was such a good guy, said, Your Honor, well, we don't want to press charges. We just hope that Jackie gets his stuff together. That's all. And case dismissed. And my father was so pissed. I yeah. mean, all the way from Mineola Ugh. to Long Island, which is probably 35, 40 minutes. He was yeah. so pissed. And we're supposed to go that day to the Newport Folk Festival, me and three or four other friends. And I was driving. So we got this fiesta grande planned and i'm coming from jail and the whole way he's telling me you're not going anywhere you're never doing yeah. anything again blah blah and he's going on and on and on it's always sounds like i'm making it up and he drives yeah. we drive down to the bowling alley parking lot and i look and there's the fucking hash in the bag <laughs> and i got in the car and pretended it didn't start I said, Pop, this happens sometimes. I'll be home in five minutes. So he takes off. I get the fucking hash, start the car. I, I go home and I walk into my house, which is Action Central. And there's my buddy sitting there saying, what the fuck are you doing? We got to get on the road. You know, we're going to be late. He's not going anywhere. He's not my friend's like, what do you mean he's not going anywhere? He's driving. He's got to go. And the yeah. gear pressure was engulfing. Yeah, I would say from the time I walked in the door and yelled and argued with my father, my friends harassing him. It was all of a half an hour before we were in my car smoking the fucking hash. <laughs> <laughs> I swear to you, I uh, swear on my mother. On the uh, way to the festival, that's great, Justin. You got yeah. one more question? All right, I'm sorry. I, no, you no, you're good, jail. dude. No, that was a great, great story. Don't be sorry. You kidding? Go ahead, Justin. I, I don't think I've written up any of those. They, they're, they're, they are. It so yeah, it sounds like such bullshit. And, and no, that sounds it. great. I, uh, I got arrested so one time when I was 16 and the cops like call your parents. I was like, no. And he took me back to the precinct. I'm downstairs and locked up. He, he, they process the paper. He comes down. He goes, call your parents. I'm like, no. And he's like, you're a minor. Somebody has to come collect you. So I call my stepfather. He comes, picks me up, freaks the fuck out. Fast forward, same police station, same cop. I get arrested when I'm 18. He locks me up downstairs. He goes, call somebody to come pick you up. I go, and I'm still living with my parents this time. I'm like, no. And he's like, dude, <laughs> call somebody. So you can get the fuck out. I'm like, no, you have to release me within 24 hours. <laughs> and I just fucking stayed there. I was like, no, I'm not. I'd rather sleep here than deal yeah. with that fucking man. Because, you know, yeah. just, your parents are just going to say, throw away the key. Like in the old days, yeah. if you got in trouble, it was They'd your like fault. It. it wasn't the principal's fault. Yeah. You know, the other, what, one other 18. time. Oh, yeah. I got arrested at 18 and uh, they were like, call someone. So I had them call like my older, cooler cousin. Yeah. And um, they called 
And later on, I found out that when they called, my cousin picked up and they were like, hi, this is a whatever police. We have Jana here. And he was like, yeah, right. Fuck you. And just hung yeah. up because he thought like we were pranking him. Yeah. So they called back and they're like, no, we're serious. So they were like, yeah, your cousin just cursed us out and hung up on us. <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah. Well, at, when I started in college, uh, the big event of the year is the Michigan-Michigan State games, a big yep. rivalry. Yeah. And the fir- my freshman year, um, it was in Michigan. It was in Ann Arbor. Mm-hmm. And the f- one of the first weekends, my roommate parents came up for for Sunday. Yeah. And he was a motorcycle bum from Livonia, Michigan, uh, you know, a uh, su- suburb of Detroit. And we were instant best friends and things were great. And uh, was he, was he the one uh, that his, par- his parents were Croatian, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. You, God, okay. You Shout out me. Book. Yeah. So, so uh, a couple of weeks later, we go to Michigan, Michigan State game, and my buddy's brother had a house, so we started drinking right at the kickoff. And by mm-hmm. the time the game was over, we were so drunk, and we came out of the apartment building yelling, "Michigan State, Michigan State!" I guess somebody cold cocked me, yeah. And I started <laughs> ranting and raving and going nuts, and they t- they just looked at my friend and said, "Would well, nothing we can do? We got to cart him away." So I wake up, I'm in jail in Ann Arbor. I know nobody. I've been in town for a month from New York. I don't know. The only person I know at all is my roommate's father, who I met for an hour weeks before. And I call my roommate's father in Livonia, which is an hour from Ann Arbor, at who's least. A, he's, who's a Croatian immigrant. <laughs> he's just so, And I say, Mr. Puskas is a little awkward, but this is Nick's roommate. And I'm in jail. He came from Livonia. He bailed me out and drove me back to Michigan State. And from the time we got in the car together, we had been, we were best friends every second up until the day he died. And it was yeah. like, I mean, how fucking, I can't imagine how awkward it is, but it's like, if you have no choice, that was my only call. Either that yeah. or lock me up and throw away the key. Yeah. And he, he of course, thought it was the funniest fucking thing in the world. <laughs> yeah. you know, are, are you happy? You know, are you happy, you asshole? One of those type rides. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Yeah, kids being kids, he knows what you're doing. So I want to kick it. Come on, Mister Puskas, I wanted to get to know you better. Yeah. So I'm going to kick it, kick it to Jana for some cute questions, real quick. Jana, go ahead. So Jackie, when's the last time you cried? Uh when 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 I asked him to be on the show, I get a lump in my throat. (laughs) But make it funny. So no, no, I, I I get a lump in my throat over everything. You know, a good movie. Oh God. Yeah. You know, I you know, where you hide your you hide your head from your girlfriend. Yeah. You know, probably a, you know, a good friend of mine died a couple of weeks ago, but he, uh, you just don't sit alone that. and cry, you know. Yeah. But but a, a movie is something that is, is a spike and you cry, you know, but uh I can think back to things that happened in my life and just start crying. You know, crying yeah. is healthy. You know, yeah. it really is healthy. Yeah. You know, I was never somebody like don't let anybody see you. Yeah, fuck that, you know. Yeah. yeah. No, and that's a good so. thing too. That is how I'm the, you know, I'm the same way. I think it's, you know, there's nothing wrong for like a masculine to, you know, it's not, it's not, you're not a pussy if you cry at something. For me, it's like, it's not like something... we have some high bar and I have to hit the high bar before, it, you know. Yeah. I'm the same way. If I see something about like my kid or like something with my old man, like something like that, I'll get like a little choked up. But other, or if I think about something, you know, but yeah, well, we, that, we had to, we had to put my kitty down and that uh, destroyed, that destroyed me. But uh, you, yeah. you, you know, you get a lump in your throat, but as far as crying, crying, you know, yeah, you know, maybe I seem to, I don't know. Yeah. But, the, yeah. but then meanwhile, you know, I'm crying over some ridiculous Seinfeld episode. You know, what the <laughs> fuck? 
<laughs> yeah. 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 Crying and laugh. Like, I mean, I, dude, I cry when I laugh real hard too. So, you know, you can get that, but either way, go, go ahead, Janet. What's your I'm next I'm sensitive. One? So what's your sign? Uh, keep off the grass. <laughs> oh, geez. <laughs> no bare like feet. Uh, I'm an Aquarius born on Valentine's day. Oh, shout oh. out. Fellow Aquarius. Oh, Very nice. And do, do, do you want to hear my story about that? Like, yeah, yeah, hell yeah. I was born on Valentine's Day, so I was jack of hearts always. It always got me in trouble with my girls. Oh, I Because love it, was that. My birth, it was my birthday, so I'm, I'm fuck you celebrating you. It's yeah. me. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. I would have hated that. And <laughs> so, so I'm in a movie 10 years ago, 15 years ago, with uh, Florence Henderson, Mrs. Brady. Okay. And, and uh, it was a big deal. It was kind of fun. Yeah. And, and, uh, and, you know, I, I had to make out with her for a whole afternoon, you know, Ooh. all the different takes. So we're friends for hours. And it was great, great, great fun. They brought me back all the way to Las Vegas so I could do more in the show because we we're having so much fun. So word gets around and I get a call from the guitar player in my college band. And he says, Martin, how wild is it that uh, you're in lovey dovey in this movie? With Florence Henderson and you guys both have the same birthday. So what are you talking about? He said she was born on Valentine's Day. I said, listen, you half a homo. It's bad enough that you know when my birthday is. How the fuck do you know that? And he said, well, listen, I knew you were born on Valentine's Day because that was the night you would always get extra drunk and be a bigger asshole than normal. So we were always prepared for it. And then I was watching Mike Douglas one day and Florence Henderson was on there. And he said, oh, I hear you were born on Valentine's Day. And Florence said, yeah, that's right. And in my mind, I said, oh, same as Martlin. Mm -hmm. So then I saw you in a movie with her. I thought it was kind of funny. So I called up and mentioned it. So here I know that me and Florence have the same birthday. Okay. Yeah. For what it's worth. And they called me to come back out uh, and go to the, the Palms Casino in Las Vegas because they made me into the bus driver. I was her, like, her love interest making out at, at Santa Anita rec uh, Racetrack. They never said what I did. Then all of a sudden I was the bus driver taking all these old ladies around. Okay. And this kid is, there's three guys are pulling a scam. We're going to, they're going to sneak fake chips into the Palms Casino. So they put these fake chips in Pringle jars, Pring, Pringle canisters. Yeah. And Florence and all her road partners, all these old women are going to do this. And I'm the bus driver. Okay. So we're getting ready to shoot this. And her partner in crime was uh, Eileen Ryan, who okay. I think I got the name right. Who, whatever, it, it's not the one from the Beverly Hillbillies. It, maybe it was Eileen, Irene Brennan, maybe. I, but we're sitting there and I, we're behind a kind of curtain because we're going to shoot, you know, playing dice and stuff like that. But the place is operating, except for a few cameras, the place is going normal. Yeah. And we're behind this curtain and I'm sitting here and on my left is Florence Henderson. Uh -huh. And on my right is Irene Brennan. Uh -huh. And she's Sean Penn's mother. Okay. So I, through the very, for whatever reason, I found that out too, but it didn't matter. So we're sitting there and I'm equipped with this knowledge that me and Florence are both born on Valentine's Day. Okay. And we're sitting there and it's kind of a lull. You know, what are we going to say? <laughs> and I said, Florence, you know, uh, we share a birthday. And she goes, Really? You were born on Valentine's Day? And I said, Yeah. And Irene Brennan goes, oh, Sean was born on the same day as Robert De Niro. And Florence Anderson leans over and says, how is Bobby? And I said, 
Yeah, how is Bobby? <laughs> <laughs> it was just so fucking perfect. All of a sudden, I was like, I'm in show business. You know? Yeah, that's great. Just uh, yucking is, it up is, about Bobby De Niro. How is Bobby? Oh, God, it's one of my favorite. And they, and they laughed, too. Story. Yeah. The, name of the, the name of the movie is Venus and Vegas, and with an ampersand, Venus and Vegas, and the whole world is in it. I mean, it's it's really fun. Joe uh, Joe Rogan's in it. Um, oh wow! One of the guys That's from uh, everybody at the disconnected part. Donald Donald Faison's in it. Do- Donald Faison. What do you got the list there? Yeah, it's a crazy yeah. Jamie list. Presley and yeah. Jamie Presley did that movie, then got famous, and then got unfamous before it was released. Unbelievable. <laughs> Yeah, you know, Jamie one of the Presley guys from ER was in it, and uh, uh, yeah, Eddie you know, K. Thomas, and, 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 and yeah, he was the main guy, and and the third guy of the of the group that that were pulling the scam was the guy who raised the money and uh, wrote the thing, and it's it was, but it was the greatest time, and it was produced by Paul Bernard, who was a good friend, and it was I I was in California, and I get a phone call, and I look, and it's from Paul Bernard, and I say hello, Jackie, hello, this is Louie. Uh-huh. I said, why are you on Paul Bernard's phone? He said, because we're making a movie together. And Paul grabs his phone and says, yeah, we're in California at Santa Anita Racetrack. It's a shame you're not out here. You could be in the movie. I said, I am in California. And <laughs> next day I'm in, on the set making out with Florence Henderson. I'll send you some pictures. They're just spectacular. You know, oh, look, hell she's, yeah. she's licking ketchup and mustard off my face. And I oh, mean, but- <laughs> if, if that's not like, uh, you know, like, uh, you know, bucket list. You know what I mean? Right. Like, oh, check but that was on off. page six. They had us list- listed as an item on page six, and she had oh, to I love know, it. Dis- dispel oh. the rumors. You she were- was 70. <laughs> she was 70, and people said, Did you do anything? I said, No, but if she wanted to, I certainly would have. She was yeah. so cute. Oh, yeah. And so oh, hot. Yeah. She, she said, Jackie, you know, we have to really kiss. I said, Well, I have every intention of really kissing. <laughs> 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 you don't have to tell me twice. So I'm no Brady. Mike Brady. Yeah. <laughs> So that was great. That was great fun. Great. Awesome. Great story. Jana, go ahead. What's your next question? So I'd like to know what your toxic trait is. Like my toxic trait is meeting someone and then immediately forgetting their name. So Jerry, I'd like to know your toxic trait. (laughs) That that is that just that just is something that comes with age. It's like when somebody says hello to you and says their name, you're automatically trying to think of the next thing you're going to say to them. And it goes flying right past you. They yeah. have people. I had a friend that took a course on remembering how to remember people's name. You know, there's so many things like talk back to them, using their name in a sentence. There's all these things. This guy took a course where it said, if I say, uh, what's your name? And you say, Matt, I mentally put a plaque under you, drill a screw in each corner mentally, and then write out Matt on this little thing uh... under your head. And I guess... That causes you to be concentrating on it long enough, but it, it, it is so annoying. And the, and the thing is, you usually forget the names of somebody you would care to remember. Yeah. The thing right. is, when it's somebody you don't give a fuck about, you're not, you don't care what you say next, so the yeah. name goes in. You know, yeah. if I meet Sandy Koufax, I want to think what I want to ask him. I go, like, oh, Yogi, you know, like, fuck. Yeah. So who knows? You know. Nice. So, all right, very cool. So that was J-Dub's questions, Shannon's Q questions corner. We're going to keep it moving. So where we left off was we were just talking about you're just about to get onto Stern. So like we said, you you know it wasn't it wasn't luck you put you had three well, albums yeah. 
and you're sending them out to hundreds and hundreds of people. Just Howard happened to pick it up, you know, and he gave you a call. So initially you went on to 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 host this talent contest and they well, no, fe- not, it was okay. me and a guy from a record company and he was letting people sing, you know, Frank Sinatra songs from a from phone booth on the Jersey Turnpike. And we were just sitting there to cast the vote just to make it more interesting for whatever they must have thought that maybe this guy would be fun. And at the end of the day, they said, well, you're fun. Why don't you come back next week? Yeah. And then and that's, you know, boom. next week, turn into next month, next month, turn into next year. And then you're there. So but you honestly like you it, like you really were like I, I feel like you probably maybe I mean, I don't know, maybe you would have had fun when you're on the serious era. But I think you were in the golden era. Like you guys were you're were just so red hot. You're on the come up. Everything was going good. Yeah. But you me, had... me and Billy were there. <laughs> during the golden years yeah but we didn't happen in on the golden years we were the fucking reason it was the golden years it's like you know the 50 the 1927 yankees those guys weren't just lucky enough to be on the team they were the fucking reason it was the 27 yankees and you know i just hear from people over and over that the longer ago it becomes the more golden those those shows become you know they, they i think they even scrub all the shows now because they don't want people coming up and say what happened to the old days you know yeah. That might sound pompous, but that's I, that's just what I hear from everybody. No, you know? it is what it is. No, it, it's not. If it's true, it's not pompous. That's just right. the truth. Speak those facts. Yeah, yeah. Like I want to hear those old 1995 shows because like Stern plays old shows, but it's all old serious shows. Like he doesn't he doesn't play the old. Like we were in yeah. Philly, so it's 94 one to us. But like yeah. I haven't heard. I used to work with a bunch of foreigners. And when I was like 15, the show would be on working out of a pickup truck and just be blaring. And like th- they were Russians. Some of the dudes didn't even speak English, but they'd be like giggling. And I'd be like, what are you? You don't even know what you're laughing at. <laughs> like, because, oh, so there, was me. A, there was a distinct, distinct vibe that jumped out of the radio. You know, one of the greatest things. And, you know, I take pride in the fact that all my stories sound like lies because that's how good they are. Right. I, had, I had walked out on the show walked out stayed out like four times i think it was the fifth time when they didn't meet my carrot my salary yeah. and they just decided to let me go to hell but three or four times before that i had quit the show and said that's not enough money and they wound up bringing me back and you know coming to a nice compromise and and some of them were very creative you know uh i went in and mel said mel comes and the head guy said look we just don't have more money which is just a fucking lie yeah. And I said, I'll tell you what, give me a little bit more money and give me an extra plug. Yeah. Howard used to read my plug at the end of the show. Uh-huh. Now, the height of the show is 730 to 830. By the end of the show, and sometimes we go to 1130 at, at quarter to 11, 1130, this is 120th as many people listening because they're at work. Blah, blah, blah. I said, yeah, yeah, I want an extra plug in the middle of the show. He said, we could do that. So from that time on, every show, Howard had to read my plug, another plug. So I would put it on, like if I'm working in Riviera in Las Vegas, one day I'd put put up the note, I'd physically put up the note at 7.30. And then the next day I'd put up the note at 8.30. And the next night about quarter to eight. So, so it hit every different yeah. set of listeners. Right. And that, yeah. was, that was the single smartest business move I ever fucking made. That's and he never had any, he, he had For no... Him. No trouble. You know, that was part of my deal. So he read my plugs, hell in the high water. And yeah. at some point it was going on so long that how would have so many uh, commercials built up that before he came back, there'd be like 20 minutes of commercials 
And then Fred would say goodbye. I said, Howard, you got to do me a favor. Do my plug before we go into the finan- uh, final final uh, commercial yeah. bank. Yeah. And he would say the same thing every time. He'd say, anything for my joke, man. And just as we're about oh. to go to the last commercial, he would read my plug and then all that, you know, that, you know. That, that's got to make you feel good because he's like, he knows this is a business and everything, but he, you're his guy. And like you, he would, he's there to support you and help you. And he's mm-hmm. like anything to get the word out. I'm here for you. And he, like, I know it's part of the deal, but I think it, like, it seems like at least from what it sounds like that he genuinely wanted to do it and genuinely wanted to help you because you guys work together and he was your pal. Right? You know, it was so important. And the thing that was most amazing by the time I left that show, he was so beyond ever thinking about ever needing another penny. What he wanted to do was, you know, expand and be big and be king of the mountain. But it wasn't yeah. about money. And what I don't understand is I would sit there and for four or five hours, we would have the time of our lives every single day. Gosh. And the fact that he let that go away, that's what's amazing. I mean, we had a party every day. And it's like, you know what? We don't need his party anymore. And that's, it was bullshit. You know, I don't, yeah. I'll never yeah. know what was in his heart of hearts, you know. Do you think he was getting pressure from like the back end? I I have no idea. I'll never have, no, because he calls the shots. Oh, really? You know, yeah, if he told everybody, I want you to come in pink, everybody would have dressed in pink, you know. Yeah. yeah. Not that he was a bully, just knew what he wanted. You know, I I think maybe one day uh, Beth, his new wife said, you know, Jackie's kind of cute. Well, that's the end of you. You know what I mean? (laughs) I'm not not saying that happened, but you know, it was probably, Probably something so left-handedly stupid. But was okay, there, you know. Was there ever like like a competition to compete for his attention in a way? Like I, it seemed like you. It seemed like you and Fred like really worked together, right? Like you guys were like bang, 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 and, we, and maybe me and Fred, maybe in a competitive me, way, but still like it was to escalate the show. Did yeah, was no, there, me and me and Fred were actually we were locked arm in arm. From the, he is the single funniest, fastest, most yeah. talented person I think I've ever met. It's between him and Billy West. I mean, yeah. Fred, if you're talking to Fred before you finish your sentence, he had something funny to say. <laughs> he knew everything. He, uh, he just, but he was a Nazi. You know, he would have taken a bullet for Howard, and there was yeah. no questioning where his al- alliance was. Yeah, which I don't blame him for at all. Yeah. but uh, you know. With a lot of people, they would compete for his attention, but not, me and Fred didn't give a fuck because we were too important. Yeah, you know, whatever. That sounded pompous too, but not important. It's but, not. You know, it's not pompous if it's true. It's, it, 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 you're you're, you're part of the chemistry and the makeup of the show, an essential part. And you know, honestly, I think you you're you're kind of downplaying yourself in a little bit because it's very true, man. You were a big, big part of that show, and there was a noticeable difference after you weren't there, and everybody knows that. But you, but, but so when you were there, though, like, and I don't want to be a drag about this, but there was plenty of good times that outweighed the bad times, and there, like, it wasn't even as much like on show. You guys had a blast, but there was some times when you guys are hanging out off of the show, right? Like, you know, just hanging out with the guys that you're just ripping it up when you're hanging out. Like outside the show, are you trying to come up with stuff to be like, oh, let's do this. So we'll talk about it on the show next week no, kind of thing. No, like- no, you know, in fact, you never learn. You never learn that like when we got in the bathtub with Jessica Hahn, it yeah. never dawned on me that, of course, that was going to be the whole show the next day. I'm drunk and I'm having fun. Yeah. You know, like uh, you, know, I, I finally learned like I'd come in and sit down and start bitching about Nancy before we went on the air. And we go on the air. Oh, Howard, he was bitching about Nancy. I'm like, 
when are you going to learn? And you get to the point where, you know, if you want them to talk about something, you complain about it in such a way like, you know, Br'er Rabbit, you know, don't throw me in that, don't throw me yeah. in the briar patch, yeah. you know, and like, don't throw me in a briar, born and bred in a briar patch, you fucking idiot, you know. <laughs> but it was, uh, it, it, it was fun. And, and, hang, you know, hanging out was already so outrageous. You didn't have to go, you know, we're yeah. playing poker at the Garden City Hotel or, you know, it, you didn't have to turn on the craziness. Like if I'm with a group, group of people and I'm getting drunk, we're playing cards. Of course, I'm going to be an asshole. It's yeah. not like let's be an <laughs> asshole for the show. No, let's be an asshole because we're having fun. You know, yeah. it wasn't it wasn't, uh, you know, let's it's, act up, you know. Yeah, that's probably why it worked, though, because it was organic. And like if you forced it, it wouldn't yeah. work. It would have come off as fake, phony, but it was organic. And one of the best stories I loved from uh from your book which we'll have a link in the description of this episode for jackie's book i highly recommend it bow to stern excellent excellent read uh but one of the the funny ones was the super bowl finger and you so it's the giants from the super bowl right and you had an ex-giants player at a party and he had written or or someone had written giant suck no on let his, me tell you okay yeah, tell yeah, you. yeah yeah i'm uh, butchering it sorry i'm go ahead uh uh, Leonard Marshall had yes. two Super Bowl rings. Yeah. And I had just driven all the way from North Carolina uh, or Atlanta. I was working the Cheetah Three in Atlanta for a week. Uh-huh. And uh, that's where Howard memory. always had the whole thing. Well, right? this, this is this is stuff that actually, you know, was laid into my head because it, it was such crazy stories. And I never heard the end of it anyway. Yeah. <clears throat> but that's where Howard always got the thing. Oh, when I met Jackie, he was working in strip clubs, you know. Yeah, you know, sure. So, yeah. uh, so I drove all the way up, and we're we're at Neil. Wow, I can't believe that we're we're, we're at Neil's house. Okay, he's got a big TV, and this guy named Tony O, who was a, I think he was an engineer when we were mm-hmm. at NBC. Okay, and we'd recently come from NBC to K Rock, and okay. Leonard Marshall loved the show, so we got an actual giant watching the show with all of us. Yeah, and um, Tony O pulls down his pants, <laughs> and on. One check, one cheek, it says giants and the other cheek, it says suck. Yeah. Now, let me give you some preamble. Yes. This is great. It was, there was a all in the family show. Yep. And I can't believe I got to know the guy that wrote this. You remember, you wouldn't remember, you remember my name, Jose Jimenez. Uh, Bill Dana, he, he, he did the Jose Jimenez, the, the Polish, uh, the Puerto Rican astronaut. Okay. He sold like millions of records, but he wrote. A bunch of the all in a the bunch family of the shows for okay. the TV shows, and he wrote this particular episode. <sighs> and what it was was Sammy Davis Jr. was coming to town, and Edith must have put in for some contest, and they won Sammy Davis Jr. coming to their house for dinner. Yeah, and Archie <laughs> was so racist and crazy, and it was so great. And as he's about to leave, uh, Sammy Davis is about to leave the house. And all of a sudden they walk out and there's a million photographers there, journalists. Okay. And Archie is like petrified. And the guys come up to take a picture. And Sammy Davis says, on three, man. And he goes, one, two, and on three, he turns and plants a huge kiss on Archie's cheek. Oh. And it was the front page of every newspaper. And yeah, Archie yeah. was crazed. So all of a sudden this guy pulls down his pants, says, giants suck. And somebody says, wait, 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 wait. Ronnie said, let me get my camera. Let me get my camera. He gets his camera. He just pulled on your pants again. I said, Ronnie, take the picture on three. And we went one, two, and on two and a half, I stuck my finger so far up his ass it might have come out of his mouth. 
if, if you see that, I have that. You see that picture? You don't see any of my finger. And then Gary said Jackie didn't wash his hands, and then he went. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it became a whole thing. But it was that, such a classic. You know, such a classic. They that's talked about the, on the show for years, right? That yeah. wasn't just a week. That was they. They referenced that for years on three man one two. <laughs> And I thought that's great. I stole Sammy's book. It was Sammy's act. And I, well, I was at the Friars Club, and this guy behind me says, "Joke man, give me a hug." And I turn around and give the guy a hug. I, you know, it's the Friars Club. I, I said, "Fucking Bill Dana, you know who I am." He says, "What? I'm your biggest fan." And we, and we were friends until he passed away. You know, I, and I told him the story about Sammy Davis and the finger. Uh, he just you he just died. It. That's a great, yeah. great story. Another okay. one of the great things I love though too is like. You are, you, you know, your legacy is so set in stone because of the, the fans of the show. And these fans loved you so much, love you still to this day so much. But one of the greatest things that showcased this was an incident. You're driving into work, right? And it's, you know, you're, you're get. I think it was a flat tire, Right on the on the Long Island Expressway. All right. So before you fuck this all up, <laughs> I was working at Chuckles. I was working at Chuckles in Mineola, okay. and uh, which was fairly close to the expressway. And I said, you know what? I'm not going all the way home to Bayville. I'll spend two dollars, whatever it was, and get a motel yeah. room. Yeah. And, and so I'm so much closer because at right. that time in the morning, you know. Oh, it's a it's a murder. minutes minutes being crazy. And back in this time. It looks much different now, but where the cross island crossed the expressway was an on and off and it was grassy knoll. And, you know, it's hard to believe that's how it was. And I'm running late and I've got credible headache and I'm hung over like crazy. And just before I get to the overpass of of the uh, or, or where the roads cross, I get right. a flat tire. Yeah. And I'm, I'm on the right hand lane of the expressway and I know I got to get get off of this. Yeah, but tired and so like and you're in a Volvo station wagon, right? And you got to make a decision. You know, you can't stay there and try and check. So and with every passing minute, there's so much more traffic. It's hard to explain at at quarter to six. It's like, you know, there's X amount of traffic in five minutes is two X and then it's three. So clunk, 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 clunk. And where the on off ramp from the cross island onto the expressway is there. I clump, clump, clump across the curb and across the thing and across the curb, you know, between cars somehow. And I'm in the grassy knoll there. Yeah. And I'm freaking out. And I call and Volvo had a thing called Volvo on call. Yeah. And of course you call and you're on hold and you're on hold. I wound up, me and Nancy used to call Volvo on hold. Yeah. And (laughs) I don't know what I'm going to do. So I figure I got to call the show. We're just, just just about to go on the air. I call and say, Gary, this is Jackie. I got a flat tire on the expressway. I don't know when I'm going to get there. I just tried to put on a spare and I'm missing one of the pieces of the jack, whatever it was, but I can't change it. I don't know what to do. He says, well, I'll let me see what Howard says. We're just about to go on the air. <laughs> he goes, and, and Howard comes and says, Robin, you know, Jackie's in trouble. What else is there? Jackie, what's up? I said, listen, I got a flat tire and I'm, you know, I don't have a piece of the Bobo Jack and I'm stuck here. I'm right off the right where the cross island leads into the expressway. And I'm telling you, I didn't hardly finish the fucking sentence. Like five or eight cars pull off the fucking cross off the entrance. And the guys push me out of the way. 
jump up. They changed my tire like it was the fucking Daytona 500. <laughs> put everything back in, put me in the car, and then they went out and stood there and stopped traffic. Oh, my So I could God. pull back on. So I went from being feeling the lowest I've ever felt in my life. Yeah. And now I'm on my way to work in my car. And it was like, it was so like, holy fucking God. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So the, 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 the great part of that story is they were going to do the Howard Stern movie without me and maybe without Fred, because they, of course they were not going to show a guy handing Howard notes. And then they figured out Um, how to finagle it. So they threw away the first script and it was so much pain involved because I'm there in the trenches with them and they're making a movie and blah, 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 blah. So all of a sudden, Howard says, listen, I didn't like the way they were doing my movie. They. It's always they. You know, it's all him, but it's they. Yeah. Uh, So we're redoing it again now. And uh, Ivan Reitman is going to do it. And what we're going to do is we're all going to sit around in the office and talk to Ivan and Len Bloom, the writer, and uh, and Danny, Ivan's guy. And Ivan says, all right, I want one by one, I want you to stand up, tell me roughly who you are how you wound up on the Stern show, and maybe a quick anecdote. So what goes around the room and it gets to me, I tell them who I am and what I do. And I told them the story of the car. And and they they went fucking wild. And after that, Len Bloom came over to me and said, that story is going to be the greatest thing in the movie. I said, you don't know anything about this this show. That is a Jackie story. Even though it's Howard's power and Howard's envelope, I mean, umbrella, that he gets total credit for that would be too much Jackie. Yep. That will never see the light of day, and yep. it never saw the light of day. But They're, it is—it's a, a great story. For, it's for, incredible, for, absolutely incredible, and it just shows like the power that you know the show had. And you like—it's not even the power; it's the love. They loved yeah. you. They loved you. How many no, people? No, would, no, they they loved Howard, and they, they loved they you were too, man. Me, but they, yeah, but you know, they loved you too, dude. Come on, I you just know? dream for the day that somebody somebody comes up and says. Do you remember when you pulled over on the expressway to flat tire? I was one of the guys that pulled over to help you. I'm di- dying for that to uh, happen. They're going to, well, funny you mentioned that. They're here right now. No. <laughs> <laughs> Alan, come out. That, yeah, this, no. This that is your is, life. Yeah, no, that's great. So, I mean, what you're saying, though, in the movie is true. Like, because they replaced you in the bathtub with Fred. It was actually you in the bathtub in real right. life. And then, but they did have you in the uh, sloppy pussy scene, right? Or it was, uh, yeah, sloppy pussy, right? Right. But the movie, the movie was conveniently made that he had hit superstardom Uh just as I was coming on the show, but he was just hitting number one in New York. It never got the syndication. It they figured a way to, you know, and it was brilliant. It was great, you know. Yeah. And the whole story, the sloppy pussy, all that shit was just so fun. The whole yeah. thing, you know. What, wow. it, in the book, though, it did say like towards the end, like maybe it, it showed that you had a little remorse because it seemed like Howard would try to reach out at times to, to develop a, a more relationship with you. And it's in, at least in the way you were saying it in the book is that maybe you didn't take as much advantage of those times with him. Like when he would come out to Long Island with oh, you. He showed up. up a couple of times, but it yeah. was, it was kind of hard to, to put your thumb on why. Uh, yeah. You know, cause he, he plays his cards very close. I the oh, last really? thing I wanted to do was pretend it was more than it was. You know, yeah. it wasn't, yeah. it was not, never any animosity or anything. Like me yeah. and Nancy went on a double date with Howard and Beth, you know, yeah. we always had a great relationship, you know, it yeah. was, uh, we just say they, they didn't want to meet what I wanted. And I didn't price myself out of the ball game. That's why it was so hard to believe. 
Yeah. But that's yeah. water under the dam. What the, you yeah. Know, what are you going to do? I do want to talk about, too. So our mutual friend, uh, Bob Miles, great guy. We actually, I mean, I'm, I'm dating us, but I released this episode today, which is available now on all podcast platforms and YouTube at Working Perspectives Podcast. But uh, he told your guys' connection was uh, Les Paul, right? Was kind of how you guys got mingled, right? And you have a crazy Les Paul story where he was a big fan of you. And I mean, I know I'm butchering it. Right. But you would <laughs> you would end up going to a show and go on and then you'd have a tiff with Jagger, too. Right. Like, is no, it- no. Boy, are you are you you know, you get Jesus, just enough man. of a story to make me know what the fuck you're talking about. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I mean, you can bump it from Keith Richards to Jagger. I'll take that any day. Oh, fuck it. You're right. It was Keith I'd Richards. Hang oh, out Keith you know anyway. what? You know what? Yeah, I'm no, yeah. Verge. <clears throat> I'm on the verge. If I lose power, I'm going to have to unplug my headphones. Oh, <clears throat> uh, to plug your I... phone in. Yeah, so we'll, we'll keep going and then we'll, you know. Yeah. Because when it says you, you're low on power, I, I, I might have, I don't know how much I got. So well, it's usually that was, that was, that was the night I met Les Paul. Okay. And, uh, this, they've been trying to drag me and Fred to see Les Paul forever and ever and ever. And it never dawned on me that he would be a fan of the show. Like my friend Adam never said, oh, by the way, he listens to the show, but he's old. Old people said my father used to listen to Barry Gray all night and never sleep because he's an old man, you know. And Les was like 85. And one night, Carrie Ash from Sam Ash, uh, you know, married to Sam Ash's grandson, said, Jackie, I'm coming to get you and Nancy, and you're going to see Les Paul tonight. And if you don't come, I'm going to come up and drag you. It's Les's 85th mm-hmm. birthday. The Rolling Stones are going to be there, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. So she picks us up in the limo. We go two blocks, and there we are. And we're sitting <laughs> alongside the aisle, you know, two, two feet from the stage. And on his way down the aisle to the stage, I hear Les Paul say to Adam, so you tell me, Jackie, the joke man's here tonight? I was like, I couldn't believe what I was hearing. And Keith Richards is sitting over there with his with his mother and his stepfather. And he's got, you know, his cornrows and he's got his scarves and he's, you know, he's uh, a rock star. Yeah. And it and it, the place is packed. It's Les's 85th birthday. Yeah. And he goes up on stage, plays his opening songs like he always does. And he said, listen, there's a guy here I've been meaning to meet. He, he, he knew the show as good as any fan. But who knew that? Right. And he calls me up on stage and I go up on stage and the guy had thinning red hair and he was arthritic and glasses and a twinkle in his eye. And it was my fucking father. And we looked at each other and I don't know if that ever happened to you, but it was like like an instant like right. Yeah. Yeah. So he's talking. He said, so you tell jokes? And I said, yeah, that's what I do. And he goes, well, give us something. I said, no, you don't want it. He said, come on. He's like, I can handle whatever you got, okay? And the place is packed in. It wasn't the Iridium. It was the place before the Iridium. And I mean, you, uh, young people, old people, his fans for 40 years. Yeah. And I, 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 I actually have tape of this. I don't forget what Joker was, but it was really dirty. Yeah. And the crowd went nuts. And <laughs> I gave him a kiss and said, I love you, man. And I sat back down. He plays a song, and then he invites Keith Richards up. Okay. And Keith Richards comes up, and the first thing he said was, it's going to be a little tough to follow that bloke. <laughs> I'm like, holy mother of God, right? Uh, so, so along the way, I find out that his mother was a blues singer. So she's in the music business. She's uh, heard everything. She's heard everything. Yeah. All the time, I was on stage with Les 60 times. Yeah. And he always had different people. I never saw him call up a person for a second time 
ever. Yeah. And after Keith Richards and then a song, he couldn't shake me up. And he goes, Jackie, Joe, come back up here. And I, so wow. I come back up and he says, listen, tell me about this. Now you're sitting there and oh, oh, he calls me up and I said, listen, before you say anything, I just want to say, Keith, I apologize to your mom. I would have never told an off color joke if I knew your mother was here. Meanwhile, she's a musician. So that, yeah. that was yeah. totally tongue in cheek. Yeah. And he stands up. And he says, yeah, well, I'll tell you something about your mom. The place goes <laughs> wild. And I said to the crowd. Look at this. I'm getting heckled by a Rolling Stone. How fucking cool is that? And yeah. they went nuts. Yeah. So I turned to Les yeah. and he goes, so what do you do? You you sit there and you're writing things for him to say as you go along. I'm like, Les, listen, it's your birthday. And by now I'm feeling my own. You know, I was still drinking. It was 2000. Yeah. And I got a couple of beers in me and I'm Superman. You know, I said, Les, yeah. this is your this is your birthday. These people are all here to see you and see you do your show. Why don't you do your show? And when you're done. We'll go to the bar and have a few beers and we'll talk about the Howard Stern show. Yeah. And you know what? Who knows? Maybe Keith will join us, you know? And you know what? Who knows? Maybe he'll even treat. And you know what? <laughs> and if he doesn't have any money on him, maybe he could trade in some of those beads he's got in his fucking head. <laughs> I am telling you, I am telling you. And when it died down, I said, now I'm fucking with a rolling stone. And, yeah, went, yeah. and I walked and I walked up and I got that on tape. It's like, Oh, it, okay. it was spectacular. And me and Les were best friends yeah. from then till the day he died. And every time I went to see his show, I brought everybody from everywhere. And yeah. I'd always go up and I'd always tell jokes. And there was no bigger fan of my filthy jokes than him. Oh, that is great. great. Hey, that. So, man, that is a great story. So what is I want to kind of get a little what's life like now? So like we said, you're doing shows and everything like that. So uh, one, we'll have a link in the description of this episode for jokeland.com. Uh, you can find all your tour, where you're going, everywhere you can get tickets, what you got going on. We'll have the TikTok link in here to get your daily jokes that are great. And then, you know, we'll also have a link for the book and everything like that. But well, all, that, all that stuff is on jokeland.com. My joke book, my autobiography, my second mm -hmm. joke book. Yeah. Um, I also you could give out my email address. I give it out to everybody. Oh, so wow. I got a guy. I got a guy that answers my email. Uh, me. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and it's just chokeland at AOL.com. And people ask me anything and they're like, this is bullshit. You're not going to reply. And I always reply and send them yeah. shit. And like, you know, because I get a kick out of that. Yeah. And my gigs are fewer and far between. You know, I always tell people I'm retired until the phone rings. Yeah. You know. But yeah. I get up in the morning and I, you know, I take a nice long swim and then I come in and have some breakfast and I do my exercises for my stupid knee. Yeah. And then, uh, and then do any one of a billion different things. And it was like three, no, about a month ago was my first gig back with my bad leg and I got away with it. And last, last week I was at the giggles in Boston with Lenny Clark, who's like the icon of Boston. Oh, love did, Lenny Clark. He is we great. Did, we did, four killer shows mm -hmm. and then i drove back seven hours like you know i'm i'm almost back in the ball game every morning i you know i swim two or three times a day because it's such good stuff for my knee uh -huh. and i just live in the garden spot of the world and no complaints oh that's incredible that is great and then uh yeah no no, no don't get me wrong if you know any whores you want to send over sure <laughs> right justin's mom Hello? will be there later oh ah. <laughs> I'm so a classy kidding. lady named Dorothy. Jack, <laughs> I got a question for you. You uh, you ever run in the Artie Lang? Uh, 
I did Artie's podcast like three or four times. I did uh-huh. his direct TV show that I think was before that. Yeah. You know, it's really funny because there's a documentary on me that we finally got distribution, which I'll tell you all about once. I don't want people to say, so you got distribution, where can we see it? And not be able to tell them where yet. So right, I, right. You know, it was yeah. ready when the document, it was ready when the pandemic started, which just yeah. kills me. Yeah. But already agreed to be in the in the in the uh, documentary, and uh-huh. then it was so slow getting going. He wound up getting beat up and going to jail and getting yeah. his face smashed in, and then yeah. getting out of jail and getting out of the hospital. Yeah. But we had puttered around for so long that he was still we were still going when he got out of the hospital. So he's in the he's in the documentary. He says some really really flattering stuff. Yeah, and uh, you know, and I. I text him and once in a while I write back and said, listen, man, I love the fact you're right. You know, thank you. You know, because we were, we're asshole buddies. We rode in the same fucking, we rode on that same train for a long time. Yeah. So, you know, you never know, you know, I I just drop a text and say, listen, I love you. If you ever want to get together and shoot the shit, you know, because I don't drink, you know, so I'm the ideal guy, you know? Yeah. You could actually hang out with them now. Yeah. (laughs) So, okay. Justin, you had a question. Um, no, I mean, my question was just about already. That's all. Okay. Very cool. Uh, <laughs> uh, Jackie, is all right. If we, if I, I do have a, can I throw a joke at you? I don't want to step on your toes or anything. How is that stepping? That's my fucking business. You asshole. All right. I didn't know if it was a, if it was like a thing. All right. So the joke is what is a Jewish lady's favorite type of wine? Take me to Florida. it's it's, yeah it was when are we gonna go to miami but yeah the same thing yeah yeah yeah. what's the difference between uh a jewish girl and a 747 what the 747 stops whining when you get to miami (laughs) (laughs) oh that's great that is great justin do you have a joke you know, here's one I actually wrote. You know why Jewish girls don't swallow? Oh, why? They want to be the spitting images of their mothers. <laughs> <laughs> what is do you do you have a favorite joke, Jackie? Huh? Do you have a favorite joke? No. Well, you know, I love them all. I really uh, do. I one either, of my favorites. Like, uh, one of my favorites. I got. I was at stage at the Iridium, same place as Les Paul. Okay. And I was doing a show with. Uh, Mark Hudson from the mm-hmm. Hudson Brothers, who was a summer replacement for the Cher, Sonny and Cher show in the 70s. And he's just the greatest, most talented, wonderful guy. And he did a thing called Thursdays on the Hudson. And he'd have different guests like Billy J. Kramer and, you know, all these people. And he had a great band. And, and I'd go there and get up and tell jokes like I did with Les. And it would always be packed. So the show was done and we're shooting the shit in the back. And I come back out and the place is still packed because it's, all oldies but goodies, friends, and, you know, from a million places. And a guy comes up to me, and the place is really packed. He said, Jackie, I've been a fan for 40 years. I know you know all the jokes. I'm such a big fan. I'm telling you, I got everything you got, but I just got to try a joke on you. And I said, listen, I've never stopped anybody. Every late night, every bar room, every LSD trip, every fraternity party, (laughs) I listen to every goddamn joke because you never know when you're going to hear one that slip by. Yeah. And this guy told me a joke that's so disgusting <laughs> that I can't I can't use it in my act because there's certain jokes like I don't tell Jesus Christ jokes because believe it or not, no matter how funny they are, it gives people pause. Yeah. And if they stop for two seconds, I think, am I going to get hit by lightning? They miss the next setup and it throws you off. 
Yeah. This joke is so disgusting. It's so funny, but it's so disgusting. If somebody goes, oh, they missed the next setup. So I don't use it in my act. But you could tell it on the radio and you could tell it to your five-year-old son. Now, how's that? How's that? I'm, ve- for I'm very intrigued. Yeah, I'm <laughs> dying here. Can't wait. Can't wait to take it to my doctor. new job. Oh, no, I was a doctor. Girl calls the doctor. She says, Doc, I got diarrhea. Can I take a bath? And he says, if you got enough. <laughs> oh. I was literally on the joke line yesterday. Yeah, 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 yeah. That, yeah, that is a great one. It was my favorite one off the joke line yeah. yesterday. Mine yeah, was. I, I, I leave the same jokes on there for too long, but I don't give a shit. No, they're, oh. dude, I, I call it like, I was like in a mood the other day and I was like, fuck it, I'll call the joke line. And every time it's like, why do why did Jewish guys watch porn backwards? Because they love to see the the hookers give the money back. <laughs> Fucking yeah. lost Never my know. shit. <laughs> you know, people tell me they know the jokes are beyond there, but they call because the my laugh puts them in a good mood. Which true, is true, so He's, true. Matt- Matt said you'd be on the show. He, he gave the number. I was like, oh, I remember the joke line from the fucking show. I call it and that your fucking like classic laugh. I was like, fuck, I haven't heard that in so goddamn long. You know, yeah. let me tell you one thing that I don't know if people know. My TikTok, uh-huh. I've been trying to put up a new joke every day or every once in a while, you know, as close as I can. Yeah. But I don't think people know that all the jokes that I've done are all on there. Like you can go on my my section of that site and back up. You can listen to 200 jokes. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're all good. They're yeah. all semi-clean or whatever. You, and some are stupid. And so, yeah. yeah. But who gives a fuck? You know, it's just for a laugh, you know? Yeah. No, I do. I was doing that the other day when I was scrolling through your TikTok after I subscribed. I was like, God damn. And you got some hitters on there. You got a couple like you do good numbers, man. You really do well on the TikTok. I got one joke, got 650,000 hits. Golly, that's incredible. The most we what, have. Do you know we what have joke a, it is? Do you know what which, joke it is? Oh, which one? Three guys and a girl are stranded on a desert island. And after one week, the girl is so ashamed of what she's doing. She kills herself. And after another week, the guys are so ashamed of what they're doing, they bury her. (laughs) (laughs) And then after another week, they're so ashamed of what they're doing, they dig her up again. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that was great. 650,000. Oh, man. That is the most we have a uh, we have a clip on our TikTok which is at working P pod uh, on TikTok and Twitter. But on ours is it, we have a one clip. It got up to like 80,000. And I just remember like, cause you get the notifications on your phone. You're just like, Whoa, let's go. Like it is pretty cool, but I can't imagine 600,000. God. Well, you dang. know what's happening too is the more people that are signing on when seeing the jokes, they realize they can look at the old ones. So I look at the old ones that had, 2,000 and now they're 4,000 and some yep. are 5,000 and now they're 11,000, you know, yeah. Yeah. But I, don't, I still have no idea if there's any way to make money on or, I, you know, I just like to, I, it, I like working for tips. I love yeah. to look at the phone and see if it's going up, you know? Yeah. I mean, I know, uh, I think it's, I'm not sure what the monetization is for TikTok. I know for YouTube, it's 100,000. I think it's the same for Instagram. But yeah, I wonder, TikTok's probably around 100,000. Once you get 100,000 followers, that is. But yeah, no, yours is great too, because it's, you know, scroll, bang, scroll, bang. Like you're you're hitting them. You know what I mean? You know, and it's great. I love it. You know, advertising, what happened was, a guy in 
Phoenix had a couple of t- radio stations and I had met them along the line in Minneapolis or Nashville or something, you know, everybody in the radio business stays in the business, but they jump, you know, he's a DJ and then he's the general manager and then he's a station owner, you know, they jump around. <clears throat> this guy said, I really want you to do something for my stations. And I said, listen, I've done everything all kinds of ways. What I'd like to do is one joke, one joke. We'll call it Jackie's 420 joke. And every day at 420, you play one joke. So that people know they don't have to listen to 30 jokes. They listen to one and they want to remember it. That's the one to remember. So they're tuned in. They listen to that. They go tell their friend, where'd you hear that? Jackie's 420 joke on WFUCK. Yeah. And it was a major (laughs) hit until the goddamn pandemic. And then at the end, I had like 200 jokes but they were just me laughing and telling a joke with no advertisements, no, hello, this is Jackie. Thanks for you. And you just giggle, joke, giggle. And I realized, wow, I could just put these up on TikTok and boom, I, I, the work was done, you know? So yeah. it was yeah. fun. You know, yeah, that is great, man. That is great. Hey, if you ever want help putting it up on YouTube, let me know. I'll throw them up there for you. Cause that'll well, be I don't know how to do that, but you know, hey. I, I take any help I can get. I'll help you, brother. It'll only take, yeah, I'll do it. No problem. But now, dude, where are you? I don't even know. Are you guys all in Philadelphia? Yeah. I mean, uh, Jan is in like, uh, you're in, she's in an area called Fairmount, which is like kind of towards the middle of the city. I'm part of the city called the Northeast, which is like, you know, I'm, a, I'm in like little Moscow of Philadelphia. And Justin, <laughs> yeah. Justin's I'm in like the suburbs, just outside the city. But yeah. But me and Justin, uh, we grew up, we, we've known each other since we were kids. And then me and Jana worked at a bar together called Vinny T's. And uh, yeah, that's how we met years and years and years ago. But yeah, I, yeah. I was I was headlining in Philadelphia four years before I met Howard. You know, the, the comedy works, the comedy factory outlet. Yeah. Bananas, um, Helium. Uh, the, the comedy cabarets, all those joints, you know. Yeah. How many even closed down? Do you hear about this place, uh, Live Philadelphia Casino? Yeah. 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 Yeah, I just worked there a couple of months ago. Just kill a show. Just they oh. were great. And uh, I'm working at a place uh, further down south in Sweetwater. And I'm doing a big show at the Brigantine Elks. But oh, those are all like hours from you guys, right? Yeah. yeah not, Brigantine, I mean, New Jersey. It's a yeah. little bit of a drive. Not too yeah. crazy. Yeah. You're too at bad. the sweet on October 28th. You're at the Sweetwater Marina. And then you're at St. John's Condon Hall in Bergenfield on the 29th. And then, like you said, you're at the Brigantine Elks Club in Brigantine, New Jersey on November 26th. Yeah, I mean, no, dude, yeah, they're not too far. But I honestly, I'm in Jersey a lot. My mom lives in Jersey and Jan is from Jersey. So, I, Jersey. dude, I mean, I might just, you know, I'd love to go see I it just to shake your hand. Go. Yeah. Hop, I mean, in. Hop in and say hello. I absolutely We got to go, you guys. It's I'll a go. date. Hell we'll yeah. do a we'll do a live recording. <laughs> no. Yeah. We'll it show up. Bring your mic for all right. I'm going home. I'm gonna go and make trouble with my girlfriend. Hey, Jackie. Oh, I mean, uh, so dude, honestly, dude, it was just such a privilege to have you on the show. I can't thank you enough. Usually me, thank Justin. You so much, Jackie. Yeah, me, me, yeah. Justin, and Jana are usually on the same page with this, but we would love to have you back on the show if you'd be willing to come back on. You just say you know, I you know what I usually say is anybody that's like fans that listen to this that had other questions. Just a mass of a whole bunch of because that the most fun for me is when you ask me something and yeah. you ask me a simple question and then I go on and on till you tell me to shut up. You know what I mean? So you know, <laughs> get it. the listeners with some questions coming from different angles. And I always tell the truth 
And I never say, oh, I don't want to answer that, man. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You know? I, I, I do. I, I won't brag. I won't brag anybody out, you know, or, or yeah. nothing's yeah. personal, you know. We, we do have to ask you just one question. Uh, when you eat wings, Jackie, are you the drums or the flats when you eat wings? Yes. Son of a bitch. <laughs> That's like a last, dr- last drums, drums by default. When I work at Giggles with uh, at Lenny Clark's brother's place, uh-huh. me and Lenny and Christine Hurley always headline the shows together the last five years. Uh-huh. And when I leave to drive to New York, Mike gives me a double order of wings and I open them up and I open up the, the blue cheese and put it next to it on the seat next to me yep. and, and just drive home and just right out the window. All, all the meat off it and then oh. just throw the bones out the window. And sometimes I call my friend John Peasy, who does the same thing. And sometimes we're both eating wings on the way home and we're talking uh, about so funny, duh. just Funny, you know that sounds like that's that's another that's another idea for a show wings in the car with jackie martling you know you know and i i, I think i actually have it on video you know we actually <laughs> did that at some point i was eating wings and i was telling my friend tom about i this will be next time next time remind me to tell you about uh dickprince.com dickprince.com yeah, that's it. looking at you but I'm behind a screen and I'm taking my dick and dipping it in finger paint and then making a print of it. And then other people do it and you got to match it up to who's who. It's just so funny. It's just so funny. Oh, that's a great game. Oh, that's great. Because it's filthy, but it's, it's nothing dirty about it. And meanwhile, you got girls in bikinis parading around. So you yeah. get a good print, you know. Yeah, yeah, they're holding it up. Yeah, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's not. We'll make sure it's uh it's not cold in the room. You know where you're doing it. Yeah, make your best showing. But you got to give a guy every chance. All right, I'm going. All right, Jack. Thank you so much, yeah, man. Thanks. Take it thank easy. You, All right, we're coming to the top of the show. Before we get out of here, Jalen Dub, anything you got to say to the Jalen Dub Nation before we take off? My 14 year old self is very proud and very happy. <laughs> I love it. Love it. Yeah. Great, great stuff. Very nice. Uh, Jana Heartstopper Hilo, anything you want to say to the Heartstopper Nation before we take off? Yeah, see you guys tonight. Thank you. Love it. Very nice. Well, speaking of seeing you tonight, this has been another episode of the Working Perspectives Podcast. I'm Matt Lavelle, accompanied today by Jalen Dub, Justin Richardson, the Heartstopper, Jana Hilo, and our guest today was the one and the only Jackie the Joke Man Martling, jokeland.com, links in the description. In case you're wondering, you can find all our stuff and all our content on all podcast platforms and YouTube at Working Perspectives Podcast. The channel's on Instagram, Working Perspectives Podcast, and you can join us on the Twitter and the TikTok at Working P Pod. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, please email us at workperspectives.gmail.com. And please like and subscribe so we can keep bringing you this sweet, sweet content. Thanks for listening. Stick around for the ad read. Thanks. See ya. Bye, Tom. Do you have a message or a story inside of you that you've been waiting to tell? Have you always dreamed of writing a book but are intimidated by the complexities of the book publishing world? Perhaps you want to use a book to launch your public speaking or consulting career. If so, please reach out to Scott and Bell Publishing, located right here in beautiful Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Scott and Bell Publishing handle all genres and authors with all experience levels. 
Scott and Bell Publishing gives authors 100% creative freedom and a higher royalty split. They can be found at www.skotbell.com. That's www.s is in Sam, K is in Kite, O is in October, T is in Tom, B is in Boy, E is in Edward, L is in Larry, L is in Larry.com. That's Scott and Bell Publishing, where the authors go.